Yep, you always got to test these things out every single time. Are you really sure that you have to, though? You, you really do. Hey, wow, hey, it's working. Hey, perfect. Hey, it is. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between? My name is Jordan Fraley. And I'm Lucas Dunn. Yeah, you are. And this is the SYP Podcast. And if you're new, uh, basically the rundown of what we do is we talk about uh, Knoxville. We talk about? We talk about. I, I was getting there to where I wasn't going to fuck up the Knoxville, Tennessee news thing, but then you fucked me up. I and did. you still got it wrong. I still got it wrong. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the news is going around here in Knoxville, Tennessee, around like the filmmaking things and that words. Yep, pretty much. Worse than ever. Yeah, it was a rough one. And uh, then we uh, review a movie that we pick out of a hat from the previous week, which this week it was... Gerald's Game, the Mike Flanagan 2017 movie based on the Stephen King novel. Yep. And then we uh, talk about real shit, which uh, today's is going to be a little bit uh, different, a little bit of a story time. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And then we uh, pick a movie out of the hat to review for the next week. So that's what you're in store for. And if you're looking for this one on YouTube, it's not going to be there. Instead, you're going to find Love, Corey, which is a short film that we did for the uh, Knoxville filmmaking, or the film festival, the seven-day shootout thing. So, on its last year, thankfully. Yeah, on its last year. So we finally got that out there. But, yeah. So be sure to check that out if you're not on YouTube. Go go ahead and do that. But yeah, it's just going to be a Spotify-only kind of podcast. And, uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, news that's gone. Or, well, we literally just did one of these four days ago. So because I, I have uh, oh, something have that Paul's going to be helping me with. Ooh, let's hear it. So it's not film-related technically, but it is in, like, the arts field. So yeah. this February, the uh, Tennessee Valley Players are having auditions to join their ensemble, and Paul's helping me get on with that. Nice. So hopefully they're doing a um, rendition of Beauty and the Beast playing at the Tennessee Theater and a couple other places with 10 different shows in the summer, and he's going to help me audition for that. Hell yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Nice. Like, I didn't know if we were going to have any news or not. Since it's been <laughs> so little time passing between them. Yeah, well, I mean, because we're, we're basically not going to be doing any podcasts next week because we're going to be filming for... Um, Stop. Yep. And then, yeah, just love Corey releasing on the channel, so less that we have to do on the uh, visual side of things for that, but also technically more. Yeah, that is very true. But, I mean, still, it'll be fun regardless. So. Oh, either way, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, with this, I'm just... I say that most of the time I'm not really interested in the acting as much as I am being behind the camera, but with, like, this sort of theater, that is probably the one exception I have for that. I would much rather be, like, on stage than being a technical help in this part of theater. I guess so. I never got into theater, so I don't know. I mean, I was a band kid growing up. I was much well, yeah, more I did, into I that. I did band, like, too, but I also hated it. <laughs> okay, yeah, but you played trumpet, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> oh, God. Bra- bla- yeah, brass players are the worst. Sorry, can you do that one more time? I didn't catch it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, brass players are probably the worst out of all of them, except for the flutes and color guard. What does color guard do? They throw fake guns up into the air and flags. Oh, yeah. I know this because one of the color guard girls kept hitting me with this really... Like, it's a solid chunk of wood, this gun, that they just keep throwing up in the air to make a twirl. 
And God bless this girl's heart, but she could not catch that thing to save her life. And my head caught it more times than I'd like to have been. And so did my trumpet sometimes. So Maybe she was doing it on purpose because she liked you. Doubt it. Okay. All right. I'm just, you know. <laughs> throwing that out there as an option. Mm. Yeah, I think she was one of the uh, girls that had one of those infamous, that one time at band camp stories. Oh, God. Yeah, those yeah, those girls. The freaks. Mm. Yeah, one of the, uh, I think the color guard, they got into trouble once at Central because, like, mm. they were playing this game amongst themselves to see who could get naked the quickest and... Like, once they turned off the lights of a room in the instrument room. And Dad? the band director walked in. <laughs> like, ooh, I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> nice tits. Wow, you that should probably like go the home now. game ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was what only amongst... What happens if you win? I guess you get your clothes back. Oh. I don't know. I wasn't part of this. I was in the trumpet I section. Like... <laughs> The I was off just was straight lace. They didn't fuck around. I was off learning the SpongeBob marching band songs because that's what I wanted to play instead of Queen. This story is explaining so much to me now. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never seen the SpongeBob episode Band Geeks, then you're I missing out. But I've also seen naked women, and I'd rather take the latter. <laughs> Unless they're naked and playing the SpongeBob theme, then it's like the best of both worlds. But we weren't playing the theme. We were playing Sweet Victory. Or that. If you watch the episode, you know what I mean. But I never got into SpongeBob. You should. At least the first three seasons. The rest can go to hell. No, it was, no I couldn't. Every episode was just like, God. Just Let me guess. You just saw the new shit. Because the new shit is terrible. I guess so. I don't know. I didn't know if it was new or old. I just knew it was Bikini Bottom and the creepy pirate dude in the beginning. <laughs> It was probably why a lot of, you know, adults today have a lot of the issues that they do. Spongebob? It's a terrifying thing to see at like 7 a.m. So I have sleep and you're like, what about kids? And I'm like, oh shit, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, but what about first. when Tom and Jerry started blowing each other up at 6 a.m. on Cartoon Network? That's that's comedic fun. No, it's still violence. It's, like, it uh, is it, violent, but it's not as scary as this pirate dude in his mouth yelling at you to sing this song. About this sponge. Honestly, my favorite part of that, though, is like the, uh, for like the first couple seasons, they kept throwing in just like, since the creator of it was an actual marine biologist, they kept throwing in all these biology jokes, and I thought it was really funny. No. Yeah, I don't think I got any of those. Like, the reason the octopus man doesn't wear pants is because his penis is in his face. That's a good reason. Shouldn't would been... it count if you wore like a, a jean hat? It would have to be over his entire face. Oh. Well, it's like one of those. Uh, what what do they call it? The thing the it's it's a beanie, but it goes over your whole face like bank robbers use. A ski mask. Yeah, ski mask. There you go. You could just wear a ski mask, and that could be his pants. Anyways. <laughs> We went off on a tangent there. I don't know how that happened, but... We went from color guard to Spongebob to... Penis face. <sighs> yep. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into when you clicked on this shit. 
Jesus Christ. So anyway, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Gerald's game. So going Lucas into this, just got done watching this thing. I've already seen it before. I rewatched it and I had to call him up and give him a little disclaimer because this film is not for the faint of heart. If you're easily squeamish, this is uh, like we said. We are big fans of Mike Flanagan. There's a few things in here that are very big Mike Flanagan tropes. That very disturbing. Yeah, very disturbing. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Spoiler warning, by the way, because we are going to spoil the entire. Oh movie. yeah, you have to with this film. You can't just. And a disclaimer: it. if you didn't get turned off by the uh, talk about Squidward's penis face, this movie has some very dark themes of sexual and mental abuse. So just uh, go in expecting not the best time with that. No, no, not with that. It makes you feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> Very much so. This is one of the most uncomfortable movies I've sat through in a while. But... But it's so good. It really is. It's so good. Like, I wouldn't put it up there, like, with his top, like, three best things that he's made. But, like, it is good. Yeah. Because this was the thing that he put out the year before he started with The Haunting of Hill House, which I think is his best thing he's ever done. Oh, definitely. But, yeah, you can see so many of the tropes that he employs in all of his shit like somebody getting their hand mangled in a horrific way yeah that was fun she got half degloved yeah she did special effects on that were pretty awesome though yeah they were but just oh god yeah you saw the freaking tendons and bones coming out from under that by the way we should probably explain the uh basic premise of the movie before we start getting into that's very true i'll let you take that one Okay, so basically, this uh, husband and wife go to a cabin in the middle of nowhere to spice up their marriage after years of, like, passion being gone. I don't know. I've never been married. and uh, No, it happens. <laughs> so to spice it up, the husband, Gerald, t- handcuffs his wife to the bed, and then, Kinky. after taking two Viagra, dies of a heart attack. Oh, he took two? I thought he just took one. No, he took two Viagra, which I thought was really Ooh. funny. <laughs> I thought it was just the <laughs> because one. Because if you know anything about the drug, they're like, if your heart is healthy, you can take this. But if it's not, you could have a heart attack and die. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm so glad they like went into that direction with it. Because it was getting like real uncomfortable. Yeah, the beginning to end, this movie is not a comfortable watch. No. No. And as soon as, like, the husband dies, she starts freaking out, just kicks him onto the floor, and then you see, like, the pool of blood coming out of his head. Yeah, that's when you know he's actually dead. And then he, like, gets up and starts walking around the room talking to her again, but this is her mind's way of dealing with this at the moment. Because yeah, because she looks like... straight down, and you still see the pool of blood in his hand, and... Then you know, oh damn, <laughs> this is gonna get weird. Oh damn, this is this is in her head. But you can see throughout the movie, a version of her also keeps showing up. Yeah, which was really weird. Which is kind of cool though. It's seeing like a very interesting visual distinction of like the angel and devil on each shoulder. Yeah, except like less emperor's new groove and more. Yeah. Horrific. Yeah. 
And then they point out different things, like, you know, thank God he took those little blue pills, and, like, she didn't understand it. And then Just her psyche's weight. And then she saw, put the water glass on top, and boom. Put two and two together. And even every little detail that is in this movie has a specific purpose. Like, she says, like, in the very beginning, oh, this gown that I'm wearing is new. And then she uses the tag that she took off of it and left on top of the dresser to, oh yeah, to like fold it up as a straw. Yeah, because she got the water down, but she couldn't reach it. So yeah, that was yeah. I, I forgot about that one. It was so good seeing a person in a horror movie that was actually smart. Smart. Yeah. But then, like, she still makes like honest mistakes, like when she falls asleep with her hands like bearing the full force of her body weight oh, yeah, and she in the handcuffs yeah. just cutting off the circulation there and it's just like oh god like they're completely discolored at this point and just like as the movie keeps going on she keeps getting more desperate because she's going to die if she doesn't get out of this situation yeah and then a dog comes into the picture a dog that when they were pulling up at the house at first, it was eating a bit of roadkill, and then she left a steak out for it to feed it. A $200 Kobe $200 beef. $200 Kobe beef. Which, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> it did look really good, it though, really even did. if it was a little dry-aged. Not not dry-aged. Not Even if it was a little, like, oxidized at that point. Yeah. But, yeah, then the dog... I guess they left the door open because the dog makes its way into the house and starts eating Gerald's body. Yes. And the sound design on that was just horrific. It reminded me of what we did with the. the, the yeah, the, in the, shape. the leg stab. You have the leg stab in the shape. It's like you see all that and it's just that adding that little bit. It's just like, oh, fuck. Ugh. That little bit of squishy crunchiness, yep. you know, just the. Mm, so delectable. And then the dog didn't even run away to eat it. It just sat there in the doorway. It's like, I'm eating your husband, bitch. <laughs> and it eats that one piece for hours. Oh, yeah. Which, that could not have been good for that dog's digest- digestive system because, dude, this dog, raw hide is one of the worst things you can give your dog. I don't know if human flesh would equate to that. That's sort of about thing. as raw hide as, as you can get. Nah, see what I did there. But yeah, the dog just sits there, and eventually it starts getting tired because the meat's not as fresh anymore. Yeah. So it starts going for her, and like bites her on the freaking foot. She has to kick it. Yeah, she has to kick the dog away. Just oh my god, it's it's literally a nightmare. Yeah. Because she's in complete isolation, almost completely helpless. <laughs> And then you think she's starting to see this imaginary thing that she thinks is death. Yeah, the Moonlight Man. The Moonlight Man, yeah. Which I thought was a weird thing, but then when you found out at the end that it's actually a real dude. (laughs) Yeah, like I just thought it was... When I first saw it, I was like, oh, what the hell is this thing? Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. (laughs) Is this Lurch from the Addams Family? Please don't go into this direction, film. No, I don't like this. And he keeps showing back up every night. 
Yep. In the movie, it only takes place over three days for the most part. Yeah. But there's so. flashbacks and flash forwards towards the end, and it's like. Speaking of flashbacks, we got to. You want me? You want me this to is where this the one? real uncomfortable shit comes in. Like the up until this point, the movie was uncomfortable as shit. But yeah, this is uh, part of the real shit section of this movie. Yeah. Right. I'll I'll take this one because I don't care to talk about it. I mean, it is disturbing as shit. I will say though, Henry Thomas is acting. It's pretty solid. It always is. So of course they're trying to tell a story as far as like going into like why she's having these issues with her husband and you know he's an older man and da 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 and where this stems from and then they show this scene with her and her father, which is played by Henry Thomas, and, who was uh, Elliot in E. T. If you didn't know. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, nice. Right. And Mike Flanagan just loves using him. He's good because they use him in Hill House too, and Bly Manor, and Bly Manor. He's all and Midnight Parker. Mass. Yep. Just like his wife, he puts him in puts him in everything. He's also in Doctor Sleep in a very important cameo. Oh, um, I definitely need to watch that then. You, you'd love it. But anyway, so they're the family's going out on this boat, and the daughter hangs back with the dad, which he kind of pushes the fact that they don't want to go out to the boat, right? Yeah, and then there, there, there's an eclipse that's happening. So they're gonna sit there and watch the eclipse, and they're sitting next to each other. He starts bringing up conversation about how she's too big to be sitting on Daddy's lap, and he seems disappointed by that. Oh so, shit! Yeah. No, I just realized something. That's why she didn't want Gerald calling himself Daddy in the oh, beginning. Oh damn, that makes sense. Oh shit, yeah. Oh, okay, keep going. Yep. And so he, God, he plays such a manipulative little cunt so well, though. He does. He's, he plays it so good. And he makes her feel guilty about it. And she's like, well, I'm not, you know, too big. So she gets up on his lap. And he's like, you know, just stare at the at the eclipse. And then he just starts jerking off while she's sitting on his lap. And... Then they have a conversation afterwards once the family gets back, or before they get back, in the room. Just gaslighting her into... Oh, yeah, like, oh, we, we have to tell somebody. And she's like, no, we can't tell anyone. It makes it seem like it's her idea not to tell anyone. And, yeah, that was just... Mm. You talk about a very uncomfortable flashback to watch, but, yeah, that's exactly what that was. It was uncomfortably real, too? Yeah. Like... That's how I could describe most of this movie. Uncomfortably real. Like, when I first watched that movie, I'm like, oh, he's got an itch. And then, because I was naive, and I'm like, he's scratching that for a long time. <gasps> oh, no! <laughs> God. Yeah. But another thing is, like, I loved a lot of the little details. And speaking of Midnight Mass, whenever the dog starts eating her husband she reaches up on top of the banister grabs a book and chucks it at the dog but the book is actually like a book version of midnight, midnight mass. mass which he would later like adapt it that is a phone call that i am not answering right now oh shit it's august oh it's august yeah okay put him on speaker Hello, hey august. august what's up hey man i'm not sure i was just uh calling you back Oh yeah, we were uh, setting up the podcast and it wasn't like detecting the task cam, but we got it figured out. We're actually recording right now. Say hi. Oh, well, hey, 
<laughs> yeah, as soon as he was like, yeah, that's August, I was like, oh, put it on speaker. Oh, <laughs> right on. Well, it's good to be back, you know. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, hit podcast, that's my P. So, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, we're talking about Gerald's game. Oh, yeah, that movie's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Not, no, yet. not yet. <laughs> we just got done talking about the uh, scene where she's sitting on his lap. Uh, okay. In yeah, the it's flashback. Been a since I've seen it, but uh, I do remember some very uh, strange imagery going on. Yeah. Yeah. So. A little rough. I'll, I'll let you guys get to it. I'll uh, keep the suspense for myself so I can tune in every Monday to these episodes. <laughs> Monday at noon on YouTube. Monday. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Right on. All right. Well, you guys have fun. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. See talk you to later. you later. All right. Bye bye. That wasn't even planned. No, it wasn't. <laughs> well, August, you got a cameo. <laughs> Always trying to get in on our shit. I tell you what, man. Man, I tell you what. <laughs> so anyway, what were we talking about before August called? Oh yeah, that's right. The masturbation scene. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Can't really segue back into that one. <laughs> so yeah, Henry Thomas plays a piece of shit who, um, during the movie, or like early on, you hear uh, one of the hallucinations call her mouse. Oh yeah, yeah. Which she completely freaks out about, understandably, because this I think is it was the, the dude. Yeah, anyway. the the hallucination of him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, but yeah. Understandably, she freaks out because this is the name her father called her growing up. Just, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't... Unless it's because she's tiny. I guess. She's the youngest. It's, it's a creepy pet name. Who cares? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the uh, mother, played by Kate Siegel, Mike Flanagan's wife, and really good actress. Yeah, she didn't have a lot of screen time, though. No, she didn't. But, I mean, she still got paid. She still got paid. Yeah. She's going to get paid and everything. Cause... I'm just glad to see her in things. Like, she was in Midnight Club, too. Yeah. Which you still need to watch. I do. I think it's pretty good. I know. I need to. I need to. Is it? It's a series, right? How many episodes? I think 10. And they're like, what, an hour long? Yeah. Oof. Well, you could always just put it on, like... 1.5 speed on YouTube, not YouTube, on Netflix. Why would I do that? To watch it faster. No, I like to watch things in real time. Well, go ahead. Do you actually use that option? No. Oh. <laughs> I know some people that do, though. It's stupid. But you just fast forward through everything and say, like, yeah, I saw it. Like my buddy Austin, he started getting into a show that had, like, 1,200 episodes, some stuff anime i don't know which one oh, it is God. good lord with the anime 1200 yeah 1200 episodes Jesus. so he he watches it like that but we should probably get back to the movie oh yeah no we definitely i forgot we were talking about that so anyway. yeah um jesus christ yep it's hard to talk about because like it is a really good movie yep but it is just hard to watch because the subject material is just so dark yep so, answer me this, though, Lucas. Did, does she end up getting out of the handcuffs? And if so, how? We already talked about that. She half degloves herself. 
after slitting like her wrist. Oh yeah, she had to slit her wrist to get the blood because it's they. What was that line? Uh, blood is blood like, is slick as oil. Yep. Until it hardens. Yep. Which was it? Hardens or congeals? I, I don't know. Because the correct term is actually coagulate, but yeah. I know this because some snakes have Northern anticoagulant snakes. in their saliva. <laughs> actually, most colubrids do. Well, the more you know. The more you know. But yeah, so yeah, she rips her hand out. It's very, it's not. She didn't rip it. It's it's a long process. That God, they just held on those shots like too long, too long. Like, but they had to to make it as impactful as it needed to be. And uh, and then she basically you know, is able to uncover herself and and get out. And then she uh, goes. I don't. I don't. She. The dude, the Moonlight Man, was actually found arrested. He was arrested because he was, like, murdering people and keeping their jewelry. Right? Yeah. She had talked about the wedding ring thing. So, yeah, she gave the um, Moonlight Man her wedding ring on the way out. I guess just burying that relationship that she had with her husband and father at the same time because they do reveal that she got into this relationship because she couldn't find any other way to live in a relationship because this is the only male relationship that she really knows. It's just this super messed up quasi-father figure. Yeah. Very messed up. I will say, though, this film should be a testament to Mike Flanagan's writing because... 90% 90% of this movie takes place in a single room. Yeah, other than, like, the beginning and the other end. Other than the flashbacks, the beginning and the end, like, I don't as, know as how they managed say, to the keep it. The meat and potatoes is in one room. That's what I say. I thought he said it. No, I said it too, though. Who said it first? Ooh, 5 a.m. start time tomorrow at work. Nice. I thought you left in the morning to go to... Oh, I, after work? Yeah, I'm leaving after work oh, okay. for uh, Georgia tomorrow at around 10 a.m. to nice. go look for uh, snakes. Yeah. Nice. Well, we're getting that to the uh, real shit, but right now, let's see. We what, need to finish this review. What would you. Uh, Hold on. No, we're not done yet. Oh, we're not. We're not. We're not. No, we're not done. The uh, <laughs> After she leaves, she. Like reads in the paper later that the Moonlight Man was one hundred percent real. Yep. After imagine after thinking she imagined it, and uh, he eventually gets arrested, and she goes to the court to finally confront him. And he has one line, but like the way he delivers it, you don't think his voice is going to sound like that. It's so disturbing. No, it's very disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, you're not real. Yeah. And she's like, yo, you're you're a lot smaller than I remember. Yeah, a lot smaller than I remember. And then I guess it was a lot of it. I completely understand why she was so traumatized by this, especially because if she didn't know that it was real or not, like yeah, just the mystery behind this figure that just showed up in the middle of the woods. Yeah, that'll fuck you up every time. And like, she only escaped because like her past self hallucination like showed her one of the things like 
from her past where she gripped a glass so hard that she shattered it in her hand. Oh, yeah. And after the, the dad starts... To smash the glass and then slit her own wrist. Yeah, which she... It reminded me a lot of 127 Hours Later. Have you seen that film? It's just 127 Hours. Oh, yeah. Well, either way. Have you seen it? <laughs> Did you combine that in 28 Days Later? I, I, yeah, I know. Because I was thinking about 28 Days Later when I was talking about the film. <laughs> which, that's a good movie, too. They're making a new one. 27 months later? No, I think it's 28. 28 months. Yeah, 28 months. Yeah. That'd be really you said 127. See? Now we're yeah. fucking each other up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, the, uh, God, like I have a quasi complaint because it's not really a complaint, but it's just there. Like I felt like the ending was a little slow. Like it kept going on longer than it should have. But like mm. after everything that we were shown, no, it, it was the right amount of time. Yeah. You can't really rush any part of that film except for the beginning. Which they did. Yeah, the beginning was kind of rushed, wasn't it? Was. It was. But they, it got they it They just rushed. got straight to the shit. Which, I commend it. Yep. <laughs> like, they show everything that's going to be brought back up. The dog, the Kobe beef. They yep. keep talking about. Oh, I know. Which I found that hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the weird sex shit in the movie. Yeah. The daddy foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Which I did miss. Which I just caught on as we were saying yeah, that. Right. like but this is what i love about mike flanagan stuff he sets up the pieces so early and continues to build on them throughout the movie yeah you can watch it like 15 times and probably still find something that you missed yeah that's why i love his work so much is like i can still go back to the haunting of hill house something i have seen a dozen times at least and still find something new yeah yeah. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, the way they layered in all that other stuff was was definitely good. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a rundown of the film, so if... Like, the you... acting was phenomenal. Yep. Like, Bruce Greenwood. I forget the main actress's name. I'm looking that up yeah, because I she deserves the credit. I don't know who the main... I know, all I know is she plays the mom in Hill House. Yep. That's it. That's all I know. And she's fantastic. She was also the... Uh, that one woman in Night at the Museum. I haven't seen that movie in so fucking long. <laughs> so I have no idea what you're talking about. But yeah, if you're uh, listening up to this point and you have not seen the movie, um, well... Carla Gugino. Yeah, yep, that's her name. Okay. Yep. Then I'm sorry that you ignored our spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie, man. It's such a good one, though. So, what would you rate it? What I rate it? You always go first on these. Okay, I would rate it at 8.8 out of 10. Ooh. Okay. Like, I found it extremely enjoyable. I think that's the highest rating you've given a film, isn't it? No, Tick, Tick, Boom. What did Tick, Tick, Boom get? 9.2. Oh, yeah. We gotta start writing down how we rate these things. I'll have to go back and listen to it and like write them down so you can see. And like the only thing I would deduct is just that it is such an uncomfortable experience. I, I think that adds to it so much. I don't want to watch it again, even though it is so good. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's like for me, it just made me feel dirty. Like for me, as like an actor, like I love like 
it's it's gonna this is gonna sound fucked up, but just bear with me. I love misery. Yeah, no, watching that whole scene with like the dad and everything, how creepy he was, and just like those are the type of roles where it's just like, I want to play something like that. Oh, you have, you know, <laughs> but not to that degree. Not to that degree, but that. Okay, but Henry Thomas's character is on a much more real level than Mike was. Oh yeah, not Mike. Uh, Mark. Mark. Yep. Yeah, I know. Like I, I, I'm trying to go through a lot of the. Uh, I guess Mike. Too. Which August, I think you'll appreciate this. I'm trying to go back through and like really watch a lot of those things. Where I'm glad we watched the Gerald's game because it gave me some ideas on different ways that I could play this next version of Mark. Oh, just go and watch. Doctor Sleep next, and you'll see another fantastic Henry Thomas. Movie. Yeah, because I, because I mean, when which we don't already know, go to Strange Films uh, podcast. Watch he comes to kill too. Yeah, and watch he comes to kill, and you'll see that August has already talked about this. But when it comes down to he comes to kill too, the the he comes to kill. he comes to kill. We're sticking with that, even if you don't use that August. I swear to God, we're still going to say it. The shape <laughs> to kill. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. Um. Lucid. But no, I'm, I'm going back through and I'm trying to, because I want to add all these different kind of layers to to Mark, because he's still, he's still fucked up. Do you want to make him a glass onion? No. I did watch that film, and it's fucking fantastic. It is. <laughs> it's not, just dumb. We're not, <laughs> we're not reviewing that movie. But no, I, I 9.5 like, out of 10. I like going and finding out these other like dark characters and studying them and figuring out how I can incorporate it to to Mark and that whole script which hasn't been finished yet. August get off your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was so much clearer than everything else. <laughs> you don't hear anything from me through the whole podcast except Just, for August, August get off your ass. <laughs> but no, I think that's gonna be it's gonna be a very well balanced character. I'm excited to play it. It's going to have uh, Mark before was um, like a psychopath without without a uh, a focus, like like a like a purpose, and then this new version of Mark now he has a purpose, so it's like it's almost more dangerous because it's like all this chaotic energy is now focused. Yeah, that's it's it, it's going to be intense. That's no good. But it's so good. Just like the last few years before 2019 for you. Oh, yeah, which we are going to get into. But I do have to uh, pee outside your balcony. So we're... <laughs> we'll be right back. In one second. And here we go. Oh, yeah. And we're back just like that. See? You yep. didn't have to wait that long. So anyway, this is the segment of the show where we get into real shit. Oh my. And uh, we're going to see, of course, if Luke says anything first. And then my segment's going to be a little bit different. Nope. Nothing? <laughs> we're talking about this Georgia trip. Oh, Georgia trip's going to be fun. you gotta, you got to start him off a little lighthearted because it's, it's about to get real. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go photograph snakes and salamanders and frogs. Yeah. Yep, that's it. That's it. All right, that's cool. It's going to be a neat trip. Uh, check out the Facebook and Instagram if you want to see pictures. Hmm? Pictures? <laughs> yes, if you want to see the pictures, yes. Of course, there will be plenty. 
Hopefully. I'll check it out. I'm jealous I can't. Yeah. Our main goal is a, uh, either an eastern diamondback rattlesnake or a pine snake. Ooh. A pine <laughs> snake? You've been going after that one for a hot minute. Yes, I have. They're cryptic as shit. They stay underground for most of the time. But, turns out, they love using gopher tortoise burrows. And in uh, these places that we're going, they can be found year-round. Ooh. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> That'd be nice. Nice and spicy. Yes, I got a buddy down there right now. It's like seventy-five degrees. Ah, jealous of that. I mean, granted, it's sixty-something here. Finally, after we had winter, just shit out whatever the fuck it did. <laughs> we had like a week of cold, and so then nothing, cold. and then yeah, back to cold. Which if we have any Eskimos listening to this podcast. I don't know if there are or, not. or anybody in the. I mid- haven't looked at our demographics lately. But anybody in the Midwest, the Northeast, the Pacific Northwest? They're gonna think we're bitches. Like, it was five degrees. Are you kidding me? That's warm for us. You shut up. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not warm at all. Yeah, it's warm. That's a. It's colder <laughs> than a witch's titty. Exactly. Both of them combined. Exactly. Make one gigantic tit. I don't know why we're still talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and do your story, Jordan. Yep. So story time, you know, I got, I've been talking to you guys, uh, especially, when was it, when August was here. Yep. Also, this is the part where Jordan takes over for 30 minutes. Yeah, that's the first half of the story. <laughs> it's, it's lengthy. Lucas hasn't really heard this one. He's heard bits and pieces of it. We touched on it when August was here. Kind of about how I went through basically three Drugs. years. Do what? Drugs. Drugs. Yes, drugs. <laughs> drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, three years of just a, basically a bender where I snorted half of Peru. Debauchery. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, coming on uh, February 19th, four years clean. So, touched on that and everything. And I did a video on my YouTube channel. Of, it was when, when was that video posted? It was like 2018. I think. Close to there, probably. Close to there or something? In the middle of it. And, uh, yeah, I was definitely just... I was high as fuck whenever I did that video. <laughs> and then took it down for, like, demonetization or something. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I just took it down because, like, I sobered up the next day and I was like, whoop, I'm shutting it down that. <laughs> I think I saw, like, the first ten minutes of it and then was like, oh, I'll finish this later. Yeah. Too depressing. Yeah, and it was very hard to watch because, I mean, I was just... You could tell? Yeah, oh, yeah, you could definitely tell. But Death. what about the so many snakes video? So many snakes. What do you mean so many snakes? The video that blew that up on did? your channel. Yeah, I was definitely not high. Not that so one. many snakes. The extreme herbie. Oh, extreme herbie. No, that was before the drugs. Oh, that was definitely before the drugs. Because it was. Let's see. It was. Um, it was August 2016. Let's say it was towards the middle of August 2016. I was working at Texas Roadhouse. And uh, yes, yeah, that's the peanut it, capital of the world, which we had a lot of people go in there and they're like, um, I'm sorry, can I sit at a table without peanuts? Because I'm highly allergic. It's swear to God, it's Texas Roadhouse. I know. <laughs> I know. Like they're like, if I just smell peanut dust, I'm going to go. I'm going to die. Well, you shouldn't have come here. Why are you here? <laughs> but people do that all the time. But anyway, uh, OK, we had this host. Uh, she was a uh, Hispanic and she was getting married. Nice. So they were having the wedding and went out there with a bunch of my friends. And I completely underestimated 
how much Hispanic people love tequila. <laughs> like, they really, like, they would build, they had monuments of bottles of tequila. By the end of the night, they were all, there were no more monuments because they drank all the tequila. <laughs> Jesus. And they were still going strong when I left. This is coming, like, this is going towards somebody who's never, like, been drunk. So. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It what I had been several times and um so anyway it was funny too because i wore it all black because i mean i just had like a black shirt black pants and black shoes yeah and when i showed up there because texas roadhouse was like catering the wedding um no one told me that the workers that were working the wedding were wearing all black <laughs> so because i was wearing all black they just assumed you were they just assumed that i was working and they put me <laughs> and my buddy where we were just scooping out food to people, but I'm already like six beers in and eight shots. I I vaguely remember. I remember there was one time like a lady came up to me, and you know I scooped some stuff on her plate. We we're just supposed to do one scoop, and she goes move on. It's like ah no, get back here. I was like that ain't gonna fill you up. <laughs> I loaded down her whole plate, and me and my buddy we were just oh, we were drunk off our ass, and. <laughs> I had to get a ride back to, they had this after party at my buddy's house, and um, we, <laughs> I don't remember the ride there. I remember vaguely I was very, I was singing very off-key uh, a country song that was a hit at the time. Don't do that. Nope. But uh, I just remember that because the two girls who were <laughs> giving me a ride back to the place, they told me about it later on, which was bad because I was like, I was trying to fuck one of them, and it was, it, that solidified that that was never going to happen after that moment. <laughs> And yeah, it was it was not my best moment. Country music still ruins the days. <laughs> and at this time, at this point in my life, I was still like big into music. So I was like, I was planning on moving down to Nashville and like trying to get somewhere with like my songwriting and stuff. Which I didn't write bad songs. And they weren't. I've yeah. heard like two of them, and they weren't bad. Yeah, they're not bad. Um, Singing the beauty. The ones that I wrote when I was high though were a lot better. That's. <laughs> I'll just say that. Cocaine blues. <laughs> yeah, right. White Christmas. <laughs> it's okay. I can joke about it now. Um, but, yeah, so we went back to this party. And, you know, that that was my plan was to go down to Nashville and stuff. So my, I remember my friend came up to me. And I vaguely remember this party uh, uh, before this moment. But I remember I was playing beer pong. And I got very aggressive with the rules. <laughs> Because, but I was winning. Was it like me at the poker game? Yes, but I was winning. It wasn't because I was losing. Well, I was defending you at the poker yeah. game. Well, yeah, no, I no, I know that. But no, with this, with the beer pong, I was aggressive in the fact that I was winning. I'm like, ah, suck it, you bitch. <laughs> I was just going off. Yeah. No one wanted to play beer pong, bitch. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, we... Uh, my friend comes up to me after we finished this game and everything, and we were out there, out back smoking a cigarette, and uh, she said to me, she was like, well, you know, Jordan, you said that, you know, before you go down to Nashville, you know, you just want to make a few kind of bad mistakes, which I did make that statement, which is very on par with me. Because I figured, you know, after I go down to Nashville, you know, it's, it's things are going to be good, and I'm just going to get this shit show out of the way and just, you know, run wild for a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember saying that. And she was like, well, yeah, come to the bathroom with me. I was like, not that kind of bad mistake. Like, what are you, <laughs> I'm not trying to fuck you, because she was not attractive at all. 
Um, but yeah, that's what I was thinking she was going to say. And then my other buddy came to the, uh, it was, it was, you remember Steven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and anyway, we get into the bathroom and they pour out this white powder and I'm like, oh, well, what's this? <laughs> Is that a thing of Old Spice deodorant? Yeah, no, oh, we'll get to that story. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, I, I had no idea. I was like, this, I'm not down to do, like, you know, meth or heroin or anything else like that, which I, I this is how naive I was. I didn't even smoke weed. And they are like, oh, well, no, it, it's it's cocaine. And I was like, oh. But they just laid out literally, I don't know, it was probably about the length of my pinky nail and, like, very, it wasn't wide at all. It was, like, almost like a bump. It was not a lot at all. And they showed me how to do it and everything. And so I went ahead and I did that. And... I remember because my whole entire life I, I dealt with, like, really bad, like, ADHD. You know, like, every thought was just, like, right when you get to, like, the climax of the thought, another thought's like, ooh, hey, let me show you this. <laughs> it's like when you're uh, standing on the edge of a cliff, should I jump? Ooh, a lizard! Yep. <laughs> exactly. And the second I did this, every one of those thoughts finally had an ending. And I went from blackout drunk, because I probably had, like, 12 to 15 shots of tequila, and at least a case of beer in me. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, completely sober. Completely sober. And I remember when I did that first line, if you want to call it that, my, my lines got progressively larger as Your time first went bump. on. Yeah. Um, I remember my first thought was, God damn, this year is going to be rough. Because I already knew. I already knew my mind and how it worked. And we did it like two or three more times, and they eventually ran out, or they told me they ran out. And I remember we were out back smoking, and we were talking and everything, and I was like freaking out. I'm just kind of like, you know, this is great and everything, but, you know, I don't want to become like addicted to this shit. And they're like, well, you're not going to. I was like, well, then why the fuck do I want to punch you in the face to get more? And she was like, that's natural, that, that that happens, but we're the only people that know how to get this stuff, so we're not going to give that to you. And my first thought in that moment was, well, you don't know who you're fucking with. <laughs> I will find a way. It's like Malcolm in Jurassic Park, life finds a way. <laughs> Addicts find a way. <laughs> I'm just imagining Jesse Pinkman through all of this. Basically, yeah, it was kind of one of those things, but... So we did that, and I got a ride home. Um, I got back home, I think it was like 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. And I was just feeling horrible. And this was like, so this was August, and then I wasn't doing it, but like once every two weeks, like they had like a house party or something, i just do like a line or two. And then I remember, because the way my brain works, I have a very kind of business mindset. So... <laughs> One party we went to, and buddy gave me a few lines. And I remember looking at him like, dude, is there a way to sell this? And he was like, yeah, dude, people do it all the time. How do you think we got this? You know, there's not a, just a cocaine tree we go up to. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And he started laying me out, like, the, the ways to do this. And I was like, oh. I played dumb, but I was taking mental notes. And stay out of my territory. 
Yeah, well, the dude that everybody was getting it from, I ended up, I figured out who that was. And, I mean, we're working at a restaurant, so I already knew who kind of was doing what. And the whole time I was actually researching these fuck out of cocaine. How it affected you, how much you have to do to OD, you know, how it makes people feel, um, how addicts react. Because I was like, if I'm going to sell this, I need to know and really pay attention to how I react to it. So I know how to basically prey on the innocent to make a profit. And so anyway, that was August going into September. By September, I was already selling it. Already selling it. Because I had uh, this other dude that I was working with, which was going to the other dude that I was actually getting it from. But he was selling it for cheaper. And he was very smart in the way he did his shit. Because he just hand me it. And, you know, it was like for like half gram, it was like $40. And it was like $80 for a whole gram. And an eight bowl is like three and a half grams. So that's usually like that's I think $180 overall for an eight ball. Jeez. Yeah, and usually that was gone in a night, but he was selling it for like $20 for a half and like $40 for a gram, and I'm like, what? But then whenever he gave it to me, he he manipulated the situation very well, and he ended up basically saying like, I was like, well, you know, I don't have the money right now. He's like, oh, you just pay me whenever. So what, this is basically free? You're kind of loaning it out, which we called it floating. Um... You just floated out to someone. And uh, that's what he was doing. And I knew I wanted to make a good impression, so I was just paying my dues with some interest on top of that. <laughs> and then he he lured me into this thing where it was like, okay, well, you know, it. this is how he started doing it. So he was just giving me like a gram or whatever for like 40 bucks. He was like, you know, you can either do that yourself, or if you want to, if you want to be smart about it, then you can flip it and then make $40. And I'm like, huh, that's true. So I kind of started doing that, and that's how I got started into the selling thing. And then the selling You got thing, pyramids gamed. Yeah, pretty much. And then the selling thing kind of turned into a whole... Yeah, where he was like still my dude and everything, and he was floating me all this stuff, and I was still like selling it. But I, like, I never even smoked weed, so no one knew it was me at all. I stayed a ghost, but I also understood business. And when people were trying to get shit, they would basically be calling up their dude, and they'd have to go on uh, what we called uh, DDT, which is drug dealer time. Yeah. Is that just whenever the hell you show up? Yeah, pretty much. Was your average was like two hours, maybe three hours. Jesus. But if you're wanting it, you don't care. If you know it's coming, you're good. Like just knowing that the drugs are coming gives you the same euphoric effect as if you already did a line. Which is weird. That makes sense because whenever I worked at the car wash, there was one of the guys there. He he was a drug dealer. Even when I just wanted to like hang out, he would take like two, three days to answer back. Yeah. I'm like, hey, dude, what are you doing? One day, two days. Oh, nothing much, man. What are you doing? Yep. And we're in the same room as he texts me that. Yep. Pretty much. But, I mean, if you weren't you weren't buying, then you're low on the priority list of them to return any kind of text message or calls. And so, anyway, um, 
This is around the time when me and Steven got the condo, too, on the lake, which was like, you know, uh, I my, one of my dreams was always to get a place on a lake. And, I remember that. Yeah. Like the, uh, I remember you doing a couple live streams from it. Yeah. Fishing was, at night. Oh, yeah. I was fucking high as shit in every one of those live videos. Oh, yeah, dude. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, so... We had just gotten that, and um, this is around probably, I think we got it in October. And October, I was still kind of selling a little bit, but it wasn't as much as me just kind of doing some stuff myself. And it was still kind of a recreational thing, but it was still kind of like, when I say recreational, I mean like every other day. And then we, um, I'm trying to think what happened next. So yeah, my dude... I was trying to figure out how to kind of get out of this thing. Um, and this is still year one. Yeah, this, is, this isn't this is even like, I think this was like Christmas. I came down um, down here and I'm, I'm selling it and stuff and I'm doing it basically every single day too, but still making a profit. So it was kind of a win-win for me. And uh, then still able to pay my bills too because that was a good server and I knew how to make fucking money. And, um, <laughs> oh, but anyway, uh, oh, before I go into this, going back to like the drug dealer time. So I always had shit on me in my, in my wallet. Always had like at least an eight ball. So when people are just like, Hey man, do you know anywhere I can get some stuff? And I'm like, yeah, uh, I got to do just, you know, let me, let me make a call real quick. And, uh, they're like, all right, well, what's the ticket on it? Which means like, you know, what's the price? And I told him, I was like, I mean, it, it's it's good shit. So, like, for half a gram, you're looking at, like, 50. And you're looking at, like, 90. So, I upped it by, like, $10. And they were, all of them were just like, well, no, that, that that's ridiculous. I can get it for, like, you know, 40 or 80 or even cheaper. I was like, yeah, but how long is it going to take you to get that? I was like, guarantee you, I make this call. And he will be here. He's already in the area. They didn't know it was me. I was like, I promise you, if I don't come back here in the next 10 minutes with your shit, then don't fuck with me. Go to your other dude. So I came back five minutes later. All I did was go outside, smoke a cigarette, didn't make a call, pulled out of my wallet, and then went over to him. We went to like the little break room area thing where they had storage shit and everything. I was like, all right, so yeah. And I, holy fuck, he's already here? Like, yeah. And gave it to him. Boom, 90 bucks. Like that. Yeah. And then when I got into selling it hard, which this, okay, so this happened. So there was this, this is around, fuck, there's so many points. I'm trying to keep them all. It was, it was a wild ride. This is still just fucking December. This is still December. <laughs> How long are we going on now? <laughs> so this has been going for about twenty minutes. Since yeah, we came back. Told you it's a long one, man. But um, that's what she said. <laughs> but anyway, so I actually I came down here to visit my family down here and my mom for um, for Christmas, and ended up telling her everything that was going on. I was like, you know, I'm kind of trying to. That get That was a mistake. Well, I already told her that I I tried to get out. Well, she used to be an ex. She's an ex undercover narcotics cop. So, I know it's hard to believe now, but yeah, she 
She used to do that. Dark. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I was telling her about all this other stuff. And, and my stepdad, Mike, when he was still alive, um, he's an ex-cop. But they can't do shit. So. Well, yeah. I already told him. Because at that point in time, I already told my dudes. I was like, listen, I'm out. I'm done. Cold turkey. What I didn't realize, though, was I found out this later, was my dude was telling his people that he had like six to seven people basically moving all that weight and product. And it was just you? It was just me. But he knew, he even told me, he's like, dude, if I tell them it's just you, they're going to laugh in my fucking face. But I didn't realize I was like selling half of it and also doing the other half. (laughs) I was the main consumer then. (laughs) <laughs> so I come down here and uh, saw my mom about that and I remember her telling me that she she was super fascinated with it because she was like you know it's the only drug that you know she w- she knew she was terrified to do because she knew if she did it well, she was around it all the time on the force but if she were to do it then she knew it was game over I'm like yeah that would have been a cool story to tell around a campfire one night you know just fucking give me a heads up nice and i told her what i did and she pointed out something which was very looking back at it i was out at that point in time but she had pointed out to me that if i was doing all these different things which i was moving all this weight had kind of all these people to depend on me moving this product and i stopped it she was like that's like a train going down the tracks 100 miles an hour and you just slammed on the brakes and i was like okay she was like well the thing is, like, with the way you're in this thing and how deep you are into this thing, people don't just get out. She was like, are you to where you can just get out clean with no repercussions? Or is it like, when they talk about people getting out, means they get killed. And I was like, I didn't know there was a difference. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing. And so basically... What she had kind of told me to do, which she'll still deny this to this day, but, you know, fuck you. It's exactly what happened. Um, She basically told me to get back into it and then ease my way out of it. But to make sure I had a lifeline to get out of it. So, went back into it. And, uh, because I remember my, my buddy was just like, Hit me up, my old dude. He was like, hey, man, I'm just saying, like, I got some shit. I'm just like, you know I don't have the money. He's like, well, you know how I do. Like, just week and a half, two weeks, whatever. Just give it to me, whatever. I'm like, fuck. Well, I might as well at least try this. Best shit ever. Ever. I did it all in, like, he didn't give me a gram. And it was gone in five hours. Jesus. Which a gram is like, I mean, you can't see it, but it's like that much powder so like the size of a quarter about the size of a quarter yeah <laughs> yeah or yeah more like a nickel or no actually uh yeah a nickel no a penny and then uh a half is about half the size of a dime okay kind of thing so yeah um uh, it just depends on what it's made with and how it's fluffed up and if it's stomped on a lot like they mix shit in with it or whatever but so anyway, I uh, got to the point where that was around the time, it was around January, it's around New Year's. I, I had a plan, and my plan was basically to 
the dude that was above me, I wanted to move so much weight to where he crossed that sh- that threshold to where if he had to get out, his getting out was like he's either in it or he's dead. Because then I knew, okay, well, I can just get out. So I wanted to ride it out to the very last fucking second. Well, and that's when I had, um, I went into Roadhouse, and there was this dude that I was supposed to train. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, uh, well, a little bit of backstory. So when, when I was between the ages, I think it was like five to nine, I uh, my dad dropped me off at this chick's house, and her she would always babysit me, and she had this son named Austin, Austin Kearns. And uh, we were like best friends. We were best friends. He re- he was the one that told me we were. I remember we were over at his house one day, and I was like, "Dude, I want to go find some snakes." He was like, "Well, if you wait till exactly three o'clock, we can go out there and find like 30. And we waited till three o'clock and went out there. Literally found thirty-five to forty garter snakes just in his yard. Around second mask. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> My man was smart. Yeah, and so it kind of got me hooked on that shit. But anyway, for some reason, at the age of nine, like, we just stopped going there, so I hadn't seen him. So I go into Roadhouse, and I'm supposed to be training this dude, and I go up to him, shake his hand, he's like, hey, you know, I was like, hey, my name's Jordan, I'm your trainer, and he's like, hey, my name's Austin, and we have this moment. Wait a second. Yeah, I was like, oh, what? He's like, oh, dude! It was like that dude, where's my car thing? <laughs> and I was like, no fucking way, so I didn't actually train him, we just got caught up, because we hadn't seen each other in over 20 years. Jesus. Yeah, so we're hanging out and stuff, and then, you know, time kind of goes by. I'm still, you know, trying to get out of this thing, so I have this mission to do all this other shit. And it hit a point where it was like he was asking me if I wanted to hang out, but I couldn't because I had to go make a pickup so I could actually, you know, sell some shit because it was a weekend, so I had to make my rounds and hit up people and try to make some kind of money because I owed other people money, and I was just kind of in this rat race that was never-ending. And... I remember there was one night whenever I, uh, it was sleeting, and he lived like half a mile down the road, and he asked me for a ride, but my dude was telling me, like, hey, listen, like, we have, you got like 20 minutes to get to my house, or this deal's off, and I'm like, oh, fuck, so I was like, I can't do it, so I put him, there was some new trainee dude, and I was just like, hey, what's your name? Steve Austin, Austin Steve. You got a car? Cool. There's your ride? Cool. Gotta go. <laughs> but just treat him like shit for like the last, like, for like three months. And uh, then I come into, uh, into work and I see this thing on the board where we did like our specials and shit like that and promos and everything. And I see in a big circle it says, prayers for Austin K. He passed away yesterday. And we had two Austins that worked there. And everybody that was, I, I was like doing, I was like a, 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 like a shift lead kind of thing, but like a checker where I checked her one side of work. So I came in at like 3.30, I left at like 11. I didn't realize this till like 7. And because everybody, like I noticed it on the board, but it didn't really click. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? And then everybody else is around. They're like, wait, are you talking about like our Austin or the new dude? And they're like, the new dude. And I was like, what? what? What the fuck happened? They're like, well, we can't talk about it. And they wouldn't let me go home. At all. So I had to ride out the whole rest of the shift. Luckily, for me, one of the 
Cooks there, which ended up becoming one of my good friends, which I haven't heard from him forever. I don't even know if he's still alive, honestly. He's a good dude. He just got wrapped up in bad shit, but he was holding. So I was like, hey, man, let's just go rail it out by the dumpsters. And so we did. Just, and that's how I got through the rest of the shift. Come to find out that Austin had been dealing with a five-year off-and-on addiction to heroin. Jesus. And then, basically, the amount that he had in his system, it was a suicide. And that was... The last time that I saw him, I was getting drinks at the station... And he came up to me. He's like, hey, man. He was always just so upbeat and full. You could never tell. And he asked me, like, how my day was going and everything. I was like, oh, you know, just same shit, different day. And I was in a hurry, so I kind of, like, shoulder-checked him. That was on a Friday. And he died that Sunday. Yeah. And that kind of sent me into the spiral where it was just like... Because I was pissed because... The thing was, where I treated him like shit, no one understood, under, uh, like, really understood why it was hitting me so hard. You good? Uh, Paul just texted me saying he was here. Oh, why is Paul here? He's dropping off his shit for the... Oh. Oh. Should, should we pause this? Yeah, let's pause Okay, we'll, we'll pause this. We'll come back with uh, part two. For even more depressing shit. Yep. <laughs> and Paul is gay. Yep. Sorry about that. Had a little interruption, but I mean, it's a good little break in between the stories. Yeah. <laughs> so your friend died. Yeah, he did. Uh, yep. Dead and shit. Mm. And uh, what was f- really fucked up was... Did oh, you really only have that one moment with him? No, I mean, that, that lasted like a couple of days uh, or a couple of weeks where like we were actually kind of good friends. I remember there was one time my, my boss came up to me and... Because we were out back smoking, and she had come up to me and was like, hey, you know, just... Well, no, he came out, and she was telling us some stuff, and you could tell he wasn't really catching on. He was kind of acting weird. And so she asked me, she was like, you know, just let him know, like, if he's going to come to work, like, fucked up, just have his shit together a little bit, because it's the restaurant industry, like, everybody gets fucked up. So... I pulled him off to the side, and uh, I think this was kind of like the downfall for him at least kind of from what i noticed and the way he acted was i came up to him i was like hey listen man my manager like she was talking to me and everything it's just like you know if you're she could tell you were a little fucked up um but you know if everyone does it it's all good just uh you know just ease back a little bit you know still function but she was just wanting me to you know talk to you about that he got mad as shit he was like, she, she, she thought I was fucking high? And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> you were. <laughs> and he got so fucking mad. And, um, but no, I mean, we had we had some good moments where we were talking about all these. We caught up and we kind of had that reminiscing moment. I remember that day after training, we were... He was on the phone with his mom. I was on the phone with my dad. Like, hey, you're not going to fucking believe this. And it was crazy. Like, that was the best shift I'd ever worked. And we were still talking and kind of... We weren't really hanging out outside of work. But during work, like, we were kind of good good friends. But the thing that really fucked me up, which is 
I guess was my introduction to an addict's victim mentality was the fact that when all when he died, um, people had forgotten because of the way I treated him for the past two months, they had forgotten that we were friends because I treated him like shit, basically. And because I remember I went down to Georgia to or not Georgia, Florida to see the kids. And uh, it's when I post that picture where I caught my first uh, Floridian largemouth bass. Yep. <laughs> and uh, he was texting me different things because I, I, I was, we were over Snapchat uh, talking about uh, how there were so many anoles. And he was like, dude, get a butterfly net. That's like the best way to catch them. He's like, that's what I do all the time. That was like the last good conversation I remember of actually having. But anyway, yeah, I had to finish out that shift. Um, there's a lot of times when I was doing an order at the table and I was just like still trying to process fucking everything. And, um, cause like they should have saved that till the end of the shift to tell you. Well, that's the well, thing. No, it was on no the board. one told it was on the board. It was just posted like one of our fucking promo things. And everybody was more concerned that it was like the Austin that we had that had been there for like a few years than the new guy. And then once they found out that it was a new guy, they were just like, oh, well. Thoughts and prayers. Basically, yeah. And I was mainly pissed off because I was just like, dude, like, that's my friend. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? Like, you treat him like shit. But they couldn't tell because I was so racked up in the drug shit and trying to, you know, get shit from my dude and, and move that and do all these other things and try to... I, I was basically trying to get out of this shit to where I... My life was kind of on the line at that point so it was a it was a very weird thing and then the way I dealt with his death was dunking my head in a bigger pile of cocaine I actually do have a story that kind of relates to this though Ooh, okay so when uh, my first job ever was working as a bagger at Food City mm. and this is like my first exposure to like what the real world's like so about a year in we I got to be good friends with a lot of the guys there, but one of my friends, he was about 35, which, it's weird, look, working in the service industry, having these people of all different ages, you're like, oh, shit, I hope Brad's okay, because he's like 65, and whenever he doesn't come in, you always have that thought. Yeah. But, like, this was my guy. He uh, didn't come in for, like, three days in a row, and, like, on the last day, like, as soon as I got in, people were already talking. Oh, shit. And what they said was he left a couple of days ago because he said that a spider bit him. Which, no. No. Uh, yeah, he committed suicide by overdose. Yeah. And I figured, I learned that at the beginning of my shift. <laughs> yep. So that was something. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to continue through the rest of the day. Then I just, I made a horrible mistake at the end of the day because I decided to call one of my other friends on shift mm. and tell them the news. And I tried to make it about me, like saying he was my friend too, even though like I should have just been there for my friend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I remember there was a, my manager, who was actually one of my good friends, who actually trained. 
That, that, was, that was also kind of a fucked up part of the situation. Uh, and she was like the manager on duty. She was like a stand-in manager. I was asking her about it. And, you know, I told her, I was like, well, can this dude, like, just step in for me? And they're like, no, because he was he got kind of blacklisted from, like, checking shifts or whatever it was that I was doing. They wouldn't let him do it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I remember I grabbed a handful of peanuts out of one of those buckets. Because I was just, that's how I dealt with my anxiety. I would just, like, pick them apart and just, like, sprinkle them all over the floor. And You're just fidgeting. Yeah, like, and I had a whole handful of them. And she was like, well, I just don't see what the big deal is. And I, I remember looking at her, and I was like, well, I'm sorry if you don't understand the fact that when you come into work and then you see that your goddamn friend has died, and you find it out, like, he's put on the board, like, a fucking special that we're doing, and you don't see that that, and, and as soon as I said bullshit, I threw the whole entire thing of nuts at her as hard as I fucking could. And they still kept me there. They should have fired me, but they still kept me there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Do you think Texas Roadhouse has HR? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I understand, like, looking back now, it's like no one really understood why I was so upset because I treated him just like every other person. So, like, my... It was like one of those things you don't. But he didn't understand that history. Well, no, but that's the thing is, I understood the history and that opportunity I had, and I took it for granted. No, they didn't understand that history. Oh yeah, no, they 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 did at the time. It was the talk. It was the talk of the whole restaurant. They were just like, "Holy shit! Like that's crazy!" And you know, if you were talking about us and like working on the same shifts, like you know, we were but and then I started treating them like shit, and then people just for, so much so that people forgot about that completely. To where it was just like, why are you upset that he's dead? That's how much I treated him like shit. Like he didn't really exist. Until he actually didn't exist. And then all of a sudden I wanted to have people feel sorry for me. And I gave that, basically made that as an excuse for me to go more into drugs. Which I did. Nosedive hard. That's when I stopped making a profit from drugs. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I was still on this plan of getting, well, actually, I think it was after this happened. Yeah, okay, so what happened was, my dude, I remember I called him up, and I was telling him I needed more, you know, because I was doing more. I wasn't selling anything. At that point in time, I figured out how to actually um, make fake Coke. Absolutely, I just figured how to, I'm not, I'm not going to list the ingredients for any of you little fuckers that are listening that want to try to do this yourself, but I figured out a couple little different things that, you know, I could do, um, mm. My own yeah, no, fuck this. it, I mean, it, it's my story, so I mean, fuck it, if people want to take what they can, they, they then whatever. It's not my responsibility. It's, fuck it. <laughs> That's theirs. I used to take, you know, Mucinex, right? You know, like the white and yellow. Mm-hmm. And I would take a razor blade. And uh, because good Coke has a yellow tinge kind of to it. So I'd shave off all the white and chop it up real fine. And then I took a lidocaine, which is the numbing powder that dentists use. Because when you do Coke, you get that numb. 
And uh, then I took a little, I'd take those caffeine pills and I'd pop them open. And I'd take just two of those little bitty balls, not the whole pill, just two of those little bitty balls. And I'd cut, chop that up so you get that rush of energy, right? And the mucinex clears up your sinuses, which is what Coke does initially. And then it also clogs it up later on because it all gets compacted because it has nowhere to fucking go. And you can't breathe and you get bloody noses and it's, ugh, it's ridiculous. I mix those then with a little bit of, uh, I pour a little bit of kerosene in there and then bake it to the kerosene because good Coke has a good gas smell to it. And that literally cost me $8 to make enough to make me $200, $300 in profit. And that's what I would sell to people. Like, I had one dude who, uh, well, actually, several people that came over, and they would try that basically just man-made cocaine that I made versus the actual cocaine I got from my dude, and they wanted the shit that I made. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. And, yeah, I mean, there's... A, it it was it was a really confusing time, <laughs> but I was just basically just trying to do what I could to kind of survive, and I was trying to still push my dude to where he. Uh, I think it was like a third of an ounce was what I was asking him for, which was the most. Like I remember when I pulled up to his house, he came up to my car, he handed it to me. It's like a brick that's like this fucking big, like about the size of like. Two like a eggs. Zippo lighter. No, I'm, I'm talking about like look, this big. Oh, this shit. Big. Yeah. Like two eggs you put together. That's about how much it was. And I remember street costs, that would cost me about $333 to pay him back. My profit on that could have been over $900. I did that in a weekend. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Did that in the weekend, but he came in the car and he was so nervous. He was like, dude, this is the most weight we ever moved. So, I mean, it's just like, I got to have that money. By this day, he was scared as fuck. And I knew that was my moment. I was like, this motherfucker, I've never seen him scared. So, now I know I pushed him to where he's in. To where, if he's got to get out, that's it. But I can still get out and be free. But I won't have anybody looking at, out for me. I'll just be looking out for him. And I played that. I gave him, ended up giving him his his money, but he, uh, he he's actually still okay. He got out of that out of that shit, and we're actually still friends. I, whenever I go up to Kentucky, he's still he's not working at Roadhouse anymore. He's working at a different place. But I, I've seen him a couple times, and we're just kind of like, damn man, that was rough. I don't know how the fuck he got himself out of that situation because I was like two months late on paying him and he should have been dead but he wasn't so I don't know what kind of thing was going on but basically my plan backfired completely and um oh 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 you guys sneeze you guys sneeze don't think about it or else you won't say oh my god there it is there it is <laughs> I hate sneezes but yeah and um 
trying to think. So that happened, so I was kind of free from that. So basically, I, I figured out then the re- the way to get people to not want to fuck with you in that industry is just go from the most trustworthy motherfucker to someone who they can't trust and they don't want to fuck with. That's that's a risky game to play, though, because you piss off the wrong motherfucker, like I did one time. I had this dude who's coming over to the condo, and... Uh, this is before we lost the condo because I ended up having to move out of the condo because I couldn't pay rent. So my childhood dream that I brought to a reality was getting was taken away from me completely. And during that time, the final few months of that time, I had a moment I remember where, which fuck, this is this is not going to be easy to talk about because Dad doesn't even know this, but it's. <laughs> He will now. He will now, but, you know, I'm free from drugs, Dad, so please don't judge me. But, yes, this did happen. But this is how much it fucks you up. So I was short on rent, so I hit up Dad for $200 for rent. He was like, God damn, dude. I mean, he didn't say God damn because he doesn't do that. But Gosh darn. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. Jolly gee. Fiddlesticks. <laughs> um, and he was like, I mean, that's it's stretching me tight. He was working his ass off, you know. And this is around the time, too. I mean, I definitely needed that. But then also, once I, he told me he could give that to me, and it could be, you know, that kind of, the next day, I was like, okay, cool. And I was kind of relieved with that until I went to the bathroom and did my last line. I'm like, fuck, I'm out. And I get a text from my dude before I had really, really fucked him over. Um, and this is what I read in the text was, hey man, got my dude over here, um, basically like, you know, I have an eight ball and, you know, I just need that, which you owed me, which was like 160 or something like that. But if I could flip an eight ball, then I could be able to make rent. You know, he was like, I have that for you here now. Just come get it tonight. Let me know when you're on your way. Because I texted him as soon as Dad said that he had the money. I was like, hey, man, I got that money for you. Like, I, I got I got the bread. Because that's what they call money in the streets. Um, I was that, like, hey, man, I got the bread. That cheddar. Yep, I got the bread. Um, when can I swing by? He, I read it this way. He texted me out that he had the ball. I come by and get it. Um, just let him know when I'm on my way. He was like, okay, cool. Well, I got to go get the money first, and then I'll be over there. But I got to go to Winchester to go get it. So... I'm on my way to Winchester because I called my dad up and I was like, hey man, actually I'll just pick that up tonight. He's like, okay, you left me it in an envelope, you know, outside of the garage. And um, on my way over there, I was starting to sober up. And for some reason I started to think and I was like, I think I need to reread that text. And so after I picked up the money, I was on my way back to Winchester also, there were a lot of cop stops during this time on this night. Scared the shit out of me. But I was already kind of sobered up. Because it's not like weed where it just makes you drive like super slow. No, you're super fucking focused. Super fucking focused. At least that's my experience. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I was at a stoplight and I got into where I was kind of getting close to where he was at 
And for some reason, I wanted to reread that text. And this is how Coke fucks you up. It makes you see what you want to see. It really does. Because that text actually said, All right, man. Well, uh, my dude's here. I'm not sure what I can get you, but I'll try to get you something and just uh, bring by the, the bread when you get a chance. There's no talk about an A-ball in that text. I literally hallucinated and saw that in a text and it wasn't actually there. And that motivated me to go do that. So then, I'm like, well, fuck, I'm already in it. I can't be like, hey, man, sorry, I lost your money. <laughs> you know? Because that's how you lose your kneecaps. Pretty much. And so... I uh, pulled up to his house, gave it to him. And he was like, all right, well, uh, he's like, dude, he had to leave. So, I mean, all I got's uh, two Gs, two grams. So he handed that to me, and he was like, all right, so, yeah, just give me that when you can. Uh, and just, you know, it's 120. You already know the ticket on it. And I'm like, so if I actually sell this as is, I'm only making a $60 profit. And even then, I'm still $140 short on rent. So, I uh, I went home, and I laid out, well, by that time, I was, like, completely sober. And I wanted to take a shower. And I remember I took the shower, and... In my bedroom, I already laid out, like, four lines for, like, you know, a post-shower high. And, uh, I remember I got in that shower, and I took, it's the longest shower I've ever took in my life. It was a two and a half hour long shower. Jesus. Because once I got in the shower and the water hit me, I really sobered up, and I realized what I did. I had taken the money that my dad had busted his ass to earn. Blew it on these drugs that weren't going to help me in the situation anyway. And I think that's kind of when it hit me where the reality of where I was. The reason it took so long is because I'd say for other than the first 15 minutes, the other duration of that time, whatever that adds up to, <laughs> I think it's like two hours and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I was laying in the fetal position in the shower just, I don't even know if you want to call it bawling my eyes out but i was making a lot of just a lot of noise a lot of noises that just they're they were rooted in nothing but pain just these guttural primal. yeah just primal kind of fucking just sounds for that long and then i got out of the shower dried up i was like okay that happened Ding, ding. Get a text. Hey, you good? Go in my bedroom. <laughs> Three lines up the nose. All right, baby. We're back at it. We'll figure this out. Literally like nothing had ever happened. That quick. Like nothing had ever happened. Jesus. Yeah. So I ended up losing the condo. I couldn't pay for shit. Moved back to uh, Kentucky, which there was this dude who I was 
um, kind of buying from while I was still at the condo. Then when I moved to, um, I don't say Kentucky, but back to, you know, Winchester where I was living and out of the condo, lost all that. Um, none of my friends wanted to fuck with me either. It was funny because the ones that got me started in this thing, this is where my mind was too. I was like, fuck you guys. Like, you get me started in this. And you're not even there to support it. Nope. Not at all. They didn't give a shit. Didn't give a shit at all. And so, I had this dude, I went over to his house, which is when I was back in Kentucky. Um, I thought that might change, you know. Um, it it kind of didn't. Because right before I moved out, the last payment I made was, uh, you making it? <laughs> yes. The, uh, the last payment I made on my rent, I actually, because I was so short on it, I was like $600 short on rent. Because I was getting my roommate, Steven, to front me his rent so I could buy, buy Coke. Jesus. Yeah. And so I went to uh, a, um, like, the, one of those pay now places where they give you loans. Yeah. I went to, like, three different ones to get enough money to make rent. I never paid them back. I went to three different places that day. That was my off day at work. One place gave me like two fifty. That place gave me two fifty. That place gave me two hundred. I was like, sweet, put it in my account. Boom, Venmo the bitch rent. Sweet, I had guess what? I had forty five dollars left over. Oh yeah, it's a magic number, man. I was like, sweet, so I can get a half gram of coke and a pack of cigarettes. And I did. But there was this dude that I was. Kind of selling or, or you know, selling to and then buying from, and it was just, it was a weird thing. And went over to his buddy's house, and this dude has been known, he got out of jail for actually murder. Yeah. Like first degree? Yep. How do you get out of jail for that? I don't know. He has people, I guess. Let's put a pause on that real quick so I can plug in the laptop. Oh, okay. Yep, to be continued in just one second. <laughs> okay, before we go into Jordan's murderous friend, he uh, is going to go back a couple seconds and uh, go over the fun story. Yeah, well, it's not really fun. It was like... It's fun for me. Well, yeah. I mean, other than, I mean, the lowest point, that's the thing is like, I really don't believe... It, it, I heard Shia LaBeouf say this, and it's so fucking true. Like, rock bottom... Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. No, it's Shia LaBeouf. I was just making. I thought it was Shia. No, it's Shia. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, well, either way, <laughs> it's French. Anyway, um, he had said, you know, your rock bottom isn't what you hit; it's what you do after you get there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Rock bottom is that first effort that you make. So, the thing was, like, I thought that that that. Me curled up in the shower in the fetal position was my rock bottom. I even thought this was also my rock bottom, but it really it wasn't at all. I wasn't even close to my rock bottom yet. But when I was still in the condo, um, where I'd, I'd done so much coke, like I remember there was times that I did so much coke in one night to where my nose was so congested that I would take the end of a pen. Like like the the cap of a pen that yeah. we normally do bumps off of, 
And I would scrape the edges of my nose so that I could unclog it. But where it basically congealed with like everything everything in my nose, whenever it peeled off, it was just nothing but a bloody nose. So then I would have to, t- and, uh, this is not easy to talk about, but once I got that out, because um, it was still coke, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, like Thanksgiving dinner. Because it was still coke. It's the only thing when I was out of Coke, that's the only Coke that I had. But uh, uh, trust me, I know, I know. This is much less fun than the first time you told it. Well, no, I'm not even gotten to that part. <laughs> but no, so I would, I would, I would actually do that, and I'd hold, I'd take the pin up my nose, the the, the the pin lid up my nose to you know hold open my airway, so I could still sniff more Coke. I remember there was one night I was so desperate I literally like Googled. How to get coke in your system other than through your nose? Gums. That works a little bit, but not as quick. A lot of the other things was just like injecting it, and I was like, I hate needles, so mm. I was like, mm, hard pass. But there was this one time where I'd done that so many times, and there were a lot of times whenever I did lines, a majority of it would fall out of my nose because it didn't have anywhere to go, so it'd fall onto the floor. And there were so many times where I would be on the floor. Scooping up these white specks and putting them on the counter and putting them on the counter and putting them on the counter until I created this line and then boom, it's Coke. Every single time, I'm like, damn, I'm wasting a lot of shit. To the point where I realized that I, before I took a shower, I would have to like scour my bathroom floor to make sure that there were no white specks because humidity liquefies cocaine and it's ruined. So before I took a shower, I had to make sure there was no Coke on my bathroom floor. And if there was, well, I did it. But then I wouldn't want to do a shower. <laughs> so, because then I'm just like, ooh, let's just fish all night. <laughs> and and not catch a damn thing. No, I caught shit, dude. <laughs> I caught shit. Every damn time. But no, there was this one time where I got out of the shower and I was butt-ass naked. I'm on my bathroom floor crawling around butt-ass naked. And... I'm gathering up all these white specks. I'm like, damn, these are fucking huge. Like, these are these are rocks. You know? I'm like, damn, I had to break this some of this shit up. But I didn't because I didn't care at that point in time. Gather it up. I mean, it's a fat-ass rail. I go, and I just hit it hard as shit. Like, I'm just so confident. Spring fresh deodorant. Yes, that's Steve-o. all that it was. I was gathering up deodorant that was on my floor and snorting it. Did it smell nice and minty fresh? It did, but it, God, that was that was a rude awakening. <laughs> Didn't stop me though. There was a period of time too where I actually started snorting Xanax to counteract the coke, until I realized that whenever you snort Xanax, like yeah, you get tired, but if you fight through that, oh well, then we can do more cocaine. Oh my God. Yeah. So, it was rough. But anyway, yeah, I had this friend. I went over to his house, and we, he, he, was, he was a drug dealer, and he was, he was selling me, like, a half for, like, 30 bucks. And um, I think this was, I was still, I remember I was still technically at the condo. I hadn't moved out yet. I was still at the condo. And... He uh, he fronted me 
or floated me the the half. I owed him thirty bucks. And my other friend vouched for me, saying that I was good for it. But I need to get rid of this dude. So I was like, you know, I, I realized that the trend seems to work. That if you just don't pay people, they won't want to fuck with you anymore, right? This motherfucker was different. <laughs> he wanted that thirty bucks. So much so that the dude that I was with narked me the fuck out. Told him where I worked. The shifts that I worked. Gave him my number. My email. My YouTube channel. Everything except for my address. Because he didn't know that. In, in Winchester. He gave him my address. In Lexington. Because this dude also worked as like a locksmith. In that area. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get this text. It's like, hey, motherfucker, like, where's my 30 bucks? And I was like, I'm sorry. The person you have reached is not <laughs> available at this time. He's like, oh, no, you done fucked up. Like, you know, this dude, he didn't he get, like, Byron was his name. Like, well, I don't give a fuck. Fuck that motherfucker. Byron just gave him everything. He was like, I already know where you work, where you live, like, all this other stuff. I was like, well, <laughs> joke's on you, bitch. I'm off today. And also, Just I, don't, today. I don't live there anymore. And he was like, well, I'll be at your work because I know where you work. And this is a dude who's actually killed people. So, luckily for me, I had enough street cred. Because people respected the fact that I was able to move so much, but no one knew who I was. I was a ghost. Like, I kind of had that Walter White kind of presence. Heisenberg. Yeah, I really Except did. Except with less of a name. And I was Live-streamed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So there was about two months where I would get off work, I'd walk out the back, and there would be a car in the parking lot. It was one of my dudes from the street. Um, higher up dude, very well respected, will fuck people up. Like they always they carried AKs in their in their trunks and at least two or three nines, two in their glove compartment, and then one in the center console christ i just have the one nine and it's just for hogs yeah that's how all these motherfuckers rolled and so he would watch me as i went to my car and then as soon as i got to my car he'd follow me to where i went down to manowar boulevard went and turned and there was a turn i had to make on todd's road and there was a gas station right there there's another dude that was sitting right there he picked up to follow me on these country roads and then there was a little segway station like, there's a this point that you hit, and then there's this, it's called the Grays, a little restaurant that you hit on these country roads, and you go back onto Todd's Road to go to my house. And uh, it had another car, so he would pick it up where he left off, and he would make sure I got into my house safely, and he'd stay there for about two hours. And they'd text me, you're good. Every day for about two months. Jesus. Yep. And... The thing that I'm not proud of, because this dude kept blowing me up, and it was this Byron dude. He kept blowing me up for this other dude, and he was being petty as shit. And uh, I remember the last time that I, I saw him was we were, I went out there fishing, because I'd always get high and go fishing at the fucking condos. Because that was just the thing to do. And um, I mean, there's nothing else to do in Winchester. And on that dock... He was there fishing. Didn't even know I was there because he still fished there too because he was really big into bass fishing. 
I go up there, we have a conversation, didn't bring anything up. Like, everything's cool. Then won't stop blowing up my phone afterwards. And I had one of my friends ask me, uh, the dude I was telling you about that I was really good with, it got wrapped up in, I don't even know if he's still alive anymore because I haven't heard anything from him for years. He hasn't been active on shit. I have no idea what's going on with him. Hopefully he's all right. Um, he called me up. And I was like, dude, this, this motherfucker just keeps blowing me up. And he was like, well, what's his name? And I told him his name. And he was like, okay, well, that's all I need. Click. Two days later, I read in the paper that there was a shooting in that neighborhood. And I haven't seen or heard anything from that dude. At all. So, I don't know. I kind of don't want to know. <laughs> I think you know. Yeah. Man, this has got my heart beating. I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, I know. I, I and know. it's got the country drawl coming out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a lot. But then, you know, kind of after that happened, I was kind of freed from that. I was out of selling. Um, I, I, you know, people tried to get me back into selling, but I, that was... Jesus Christ, you're sitting right here in front of me, and that, that that's like stressing me out so much yeah. here in this. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine those two like months. I know the outcome. <laughs> yeah. Or do I? I mean, I hope you do. I'm still here. <laughs> so it worked out all right. But yeah, um I sold I actually I fuck. Fuck it is a podcast. I did sell to cops. Well yeah, cops are dirty everywhere. They are. They are. I sold the cops. I mean, this is coming from two people who were related to multiple cops. In both cities, like the city that I worked in and the city that I lived. Because that's the only country, like counties I traveled to, so I wanted to make sure I was safe. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the dirty cops were actually the higher-ups. So they let everyone else know. It's like Joe's character in uh, He Comes to Kill with Tina. Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of what it was like. Those are sketchy moments, but only... Ended up getting into that because one of the dudes that I was working with was actually training in a in a, uh, a police academy. So he, he let me know who all the dirty cops were. And he let them know that what I drove. And because uh, they were looking for shit. And then they'd pull me over and we'd do the exchange. And <laughs> they'd pull me out of the car and search me. But that's when I would leave the drugs in basically the crest of my seat. So then when they went in there, they would take it and they'd leave the money. And they'd pat me down and be like, all right, well, I'm going to let you off with a warning. There you go. It was scary the first time, but it was it was crazy how normal that became. Now when I see a cop, I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? I'm like, wait, I'm clean. <laughs> I'm not doing illegal things, so I'm good. Even, but that's one of the things with cops, though. Even if you're not doing anything illegal, you could just be sitting on a bench. Whenever you see a cop, your butthole just puckers, and you're like, oh, God, what did I do? Exactly. Exactly. So that went on for a while. Um, then I uh, I remember there was a week I went down to Florida to visit my kids. And it was so, like, I didn't have any money, so Dad gave me some, like, spending money while we were down there. Before we got into the car, though, actually, it was, like, an hour before we got into the car, he handed me 40 bucks. 
He's like, well, you know, it's just some spending money while we're down there. I see 40 bucks. And my first thought is like, fuck. Who can I hit up? Who can I get shit within an hour? No one. That week, even though I was spending it with my kids and it was fantastic, was hell. That drive down there was hell because I had $40 in my pocket and I couldn't get drugs. So the first gas station we stop at, what do I do? <laughs> I make it to where I have 35. You can't get shit. So it didn't affect me. If I had 40 or $80, I just, this switch went off. <clears throat> and then I started working at this, uh, oh, Charlie's, which was a really bad idea. <laughs> it was a really, really bad idea. That was that led to the conversation where Dad was basically asking me, you know, kind of what was going on because he never got his two hundred bucks back. No, no, I mean he never expects to be paid back anyway. But there was a lot of stuff with um. Fuck, I wasn't expecting this. Warts and all, man. Yeah. <laughs> so. I had ended up back in, we're, we're going to pick this up, but a little back story. Um, back in 2015, my ex had hit me up because she was pregnant with her new husband. And she had shit kind of going bad with that and ended up having a miscarriage, but she carried around a dead baby in her stomach for like three, almost four months. What? Huh? Yeah. How? Didn't know that it was dead. So she went to her next doctor's appointment, and then it was dead. Oh, God. Had to deliver a dead baby. Because at that point in time, you know. And so she almost died in that process. And so she um, hit me up. And they, they had threatened me with a lot of this stuff before, like, just saying, like, oh, well, you know, you're a piece of shit dad. You're not, you know, keeping in contact with the boys as much as you should. What they didn't understand was, like, you know, when, when me and my ex got split up, this does work into the cocaine story, trust me. Um, where me and her, when we got divorced, we decided that the kids needed stability above everything. That's the one thing that we never had. And I took that to the nth degree. So that meant, like, you know, my mom's side of the family, I can't, you can't, you can't know them, like... So I kept myself all kind of far away for a little bit just because I didn't want to taint that, especially when the drug shit started happening. But this was before the drug shit started happening. I was still involved with their lives and calling and, and doing all these other things, sending child support, even though it wasn't through the court. That was just voluntary, but it's like, that's what the fuck you do. And there were some months where I couldn't really make it because I was still a fuck up and I couldn't make the money, you know? And... um and so she called me and told me about this situation and was like, well, you know, if anything were to happen to me, then the kids are going to go directly to you, which you would think as a parent, you're just like, oh, fuck, yes. Me, I was like, well, they're going to be fucked because I, I can't get anything together. And then that would mean that they'd be around my family. And I mean, I love my family mainly in Kentucky, more than down here, but, um, 
I didn't want to. I didn't want to taint them that way. So she brought up the thing of me signing over the rights to my kids, to her new husband, and letting him adopt them. If that gives them stability, to me that was a no-brainer. I got a lot of shit for that for a lot of years. Um, well, actually, I say I gave myself a lot of shit because no one knew about it for about four years. No one knew. Why no? Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. You know? <laughs> so anyway, we ended up doing that. I, I flew up to uh, New York, where they were at, and did that. And um, it's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I did that, and uh, that leads into this next thing where... She had basically, I was working at O'Charlie's. This is after I lost the condo and everything. I was still living, you know, back in Winchester at my dad's and everything else like that. Still big in the drug thing. And more so when it happened with O'Charlie's. I just wasn't selling. I was just buying shit to do it. And I just had new people, you know. And um, she had hit him up. It's like, well, Jordan's not calling the kids. Like, all this other stuff. So he, he, he was pissed. You know, he's just like, what the hell is going on? Like, we need to talk. And I'm like, oh, no. So, I ended up having a little sit-down with my dad, and I told him the whole entire story. Just like I've told you all from beginning to end. But it was like kind of a nutshell version. So it was only like 45 minutes long. <laughs> and uh, his first response was, yeah, well, you know, he wasn't pissed. I mean, he was kind of pissed at the whole me signing over the rights thing, because that's when he found out. He didn't know I'd done that. Now he, he understands and he appreciates what I did. And now everyone's fallen into place that I did the right decision. But at the time when we were having the conversation, he was like, yeah, well, you know, your what your mom is with her addictive history, like me and the rest of the family, we kind of, we kind of thought that, you know, that might be, a, you know, something that could happen with you. And I'm like, where the fuck was I when that email was sent out? Like, you can't let a motherfucker know? Just, hey, son, just be warned. Our family has an extremely addictive history, and it could lead you down this three-year path of snorting half of Peru. Yeah, right? That would have been nice. But that didn't happen, so... <clears throat> but he understood where I was coming from then. And, uh... And, yeah, when uh, I was trying to figure out where I... Why I segued off into that whole thing. You remember? You don't? You yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so you went to New York? To do the, the signing over process, yes. But before I got into all that, when I talked to Dad about that stuff. You know, Something about how the kids connects back to the cocaine story? Well, yeah, because I was like, dealing... Like I don't know where this is going. Yeah, I know. I, I know. You, I know it. you don't know where this is going. I know. I'm trying to remember because it was so much in such a tight time frame. But so yeah. Anyway, when I was at working at O'Charlie's, that's when I got that call from Dad. That's when we had that conversation, and uh, people were talking to me about going to rehab and all this other bullshit. But then it's like the same people who are just like, "Yeah, man, you should go to rehab," and I'm like. <laughs> Okay, Dr. Phil. <laughs> like, that makes sense. 
But there was a lot of those nights where I remember at the house, when I was at the house, that's when the, the worst of it really hit because I would, I would wake up. I talked about this a little bit with the August podcast. Like, my goal when I went to sleep was I had my fingers crossed that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. That was my goal. And then when I did, I'm like, God damn it. And I remembered all I have to do is go to work, get some money, I can get some drugs, and then boom, there you go. Which ties back into Gerald's game where they talk about, oh, shit, she knows about uh, how there's a lot less nerves in the wrist, and that's why slitting your wrist is the least painful way to go. Yeah. Why do you know that? Right? That wasn't explained. (laughs) You know why. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I know why. But yeah, no, I mean, I I tried to OD several different times. and then, you know, I was, I posted a video on my YouTube channel, kind of telling this whole entire story, but the only way I could do it, um, just like... Was with a little powdered courage. Exactly. You know, it's that powder courage, not the liquid, but the powdered courage. <laughs> and uh, also, Dad, I know this is the first time you're hearing this, but whenever I talked to you that night and told you that whole entire story about what was going on... I think I'd done about a half a gram of cocaine in the bathroom to get to the point where I could actually talk to you about that. So I was railed the fuck out of my mind when I was telling you all that. But everything that I told you was true. Everything I told you was absolutely true in the exact way that it went down, but I didn't have the courage to actually do that. So, um, But then it got to the point where it was like, you know, having a lot of those nights... And, you know, I lost the O'Charlie's job because I was just like, fuck it. Like, honestly, if, if I would look forward to the days, I would purposely sabotage myself to where I'd call in and the night before um, and let them know I wasn't going to be at work. Even though I knew that I wasn't going to have enough money the next day to get any drugs. I fought tooth and nail for those days. Yeah, I felt like shit, but I knew... Okay, the only thing I can afford to get is maybe some Chinese food and an some L.A. China Walk Buffet. Yeah, no. Yeah, some Chinese food and a, and a fountain L.A. from the gas station and maybe a pack of cigarettes. But I lived for those days that I felt like hell because the way addiction works is like you go for that high. You get it, right? And then when you keep going back to it, it ends up being that the low that you were trying to run from initially is now the high that you are desperately trying to achieve. Like you wish you could go back to that that point in time which you were trying to run away from initially, which is so fucked up. I mean, it's just the law of diminishing returns. The more you get into it, the yeah. less you get out of it. Yeah. And that's exactly how it was. And then so <laughs> I went... Um, it's just the fridge. Oh. I... I, I my, my friend Bo uh, hit me up. We had talked. We reconnected after like a few years. This is the Bo I knew, right? Yep. Bo Bailey. Saved my life. Really did. Um, told me like, hey man, just move down here. Because I, I had learned that, you know, rehab didn't make any sense to me. And, that, and that people didn't get that. They were like, dude, just f- fucking go to rehab. And I'm like, well... And this is just the way my mind works. I'm like, well, if... Rehab is basically the same as marriage, where 50% survival rate, 
Why the fuck am I doing that? Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't like those odds. Yeah, I don't like those odds at all. And I realize that the only reason that, you know, when people go to rehab and they get out of it, that they, you know, can sustain that is because either they change their environment or their environment changes itself. Like, here's a fun fact for everyone listening. Like, if you're dealing with an addict in your family, you're also the fucking problem, bitch. It's not just them. So take a little bit of accountability because if you get in, like, uh, basically rehab is like a fucking three-month vacation where you get to tease the person with the life that they could have and then you throw them back into the clusterfuck because you haven't gotten your shit together. But then they go back to doing drugs and you're like, oh, well, you're a fuck-up. No, you're a fuck-up, motherfucker. Get your, I, I'm, so I'm adamant about this shit. Like, if you're dealing with an addict in your family, you're just as fucking bad. And you're just as much of a piece of fucking shit if you're not going to change your shit and get your shit together. It's not just on them. So stop being a fucking bitch and get your shit together. Because that's why a lot of these people are out here dying in the streets. Because you won't get your shit together. But you're like, well, fuck Tommy. He's never going to change. Bitch, are you going to change? I didn't think so. That's another thing. The season six of BoJack does very well. Yeah, it definitely does. Because, like, it does go into the fact that this rehab, even when you're there, it is just like a giant vacation. You have to put everything into it to get something out of it. Yeah. But whenever you're done with it, you just go straight back to the life that got you into this shit. If that if, if that environment doesn't change, absolutely. And there's a reason. If an certain... addict goes into rehab, then he is the strongest motherfucker I've ever met in my goddamn life. And everyone else, if they don't change their shit, they're weak-ass motherfuckers. I would tell that person, don't ever talk to them, move to a different state, change your name, change your social security number, everything to get away from that shit. Because no one wants to admit that, yeah, just because they have fucking Christmas every goddamn year, or they have Thanksgiving, and they have all these holidays, and they send cards, and they call, and they do whatever. They think they have all this fucking shit together, but they don't. Because they're like, oh, well, Johnny's over there just fucking snorting it up. I hope he gets his, his life together. I'm praying for him. Shut the fuck up. And just get your shit together, because... You know, maybe Aunt, whatever the fuck your name is, you, you crossed him one day and that sent him over the edge. Maybe that's why he's doing it. Like, addicts don't have control, really, when they're in that state. Like, they see the action in itself, but don't see the years of buildup that leads to these actions. Yeah, but, well, that's the other thing, too, is like, so, whenever, especially for me, and I know I've talked to a lot of addicts, and it, and it works the exact same way, like... I would wake up in the morning and be like, I'm not going to do this. And you have that intrusive thought. But when you've done that, like, here's a fun fact about addiction. It does rewire the brain. It does rewire the brain. This is not a lack of willpower or whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's not. And one thing can just snap and trigger it, and that thought comes in, and you don't have any control of it. Once that thought comes in, you're fucked. You are fucked. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Unless you are in an envir- unless you are in an environment that doesn't trigger that snap. 
And I'm living proof of that because I moved down here February 19th, 2019. Cold turkey. After basically a three-year bender, which may with maybe like what? A five day, five days in that three years that I didn't do drugs. Cold turkey. Changed my environment. It was hell. But I didn't have any triggers. I didn't have any familiarity with the environment or anything else like that. And then there was a lot of shit that kind of went down that really should have been like a segue to me seeing that the family down here, with the exception of a couple, the family down here in Tennessee was a big playing part in all of that shit. Because shit went down, I lost the place where I was going to live with no notice, basically. Had to move back up to Kentucky. Back, this is March of... Fuck, what 2021. Yep, 2021. And, uh, Dad, also know you don't know that... I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people that are learning about a lot of shit right now. But I don't give a fuck, because that's what this podcast is for. That's why it's not in video form. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but, I, uh, I went, I went basically until... I moved up, back up there in March, and I went until April... Went out to Sutton's, the restaurant, which nothing is Sutton's restaurant. Like, don't affiliate them with this story. Like, they are fantastic. Their food is fucking. What do they serve? Just, it's an Italian cuisine. Like, Ooh. he named the the, the the restaurant after his daughter. And it, it, every bit of their food is so good. It's all, like, made to, from scratch. Do so they have chicken parm? They have chicken parm, they have lasagna, they have a fucking seafood pasta with scallops. And Go check out Sutton's. Clams. And, oh, it's fantastic. I mean, this is probably not the best promotional material for them, but... <laughs> Just a random ad in the middle. Sorry, I didn't mean to go into that, but I mean, I do love that fucking place oh, so I was much. just so curious. But, yeah, no, I mean, they're really good. <laughs> There's our comic relief. Right, yeah. But anyway, so I went back there and I met up with a dude that I used to work with at Roadhouse, and I got fucking plastered drunk. I was I was actually in the bathroom, peeing, getting ready to leave, and I hear his voice, and I'm like, oh, "D, dude, I ain't seen you in forever, dude." And we caught up, and next thing you know, it's like four shots of Fireball later. We go over to his house, we hang out. And I remember that I have one of my dude's numbers still on my phone. I'm like, hey, man, like, just wondering what you're doing. Like, seeing if you're good, maybe. You know, I got the bread. So just let me know. Boom. Address. Sends me the address. Yeah, just swing by. Go and get that. And... That was the first time I had done that since. I remember I did it there while I was with him. On the drive back home, I called up my brother, who should have been my go-to. In reality, when I'm thinking back to it, I should have called you. Really. Because I called up my brother Connor, and I told him what happened. Because I felt so bad about it. And his first response was, why the fuck would you do that, dude? 
Like, that's fucking stupid as shit. Like, what the fuck? Why the fuck would you? Are you fucking kidding me? So he laid me a new one. You know what I did? I forgot the phone with him. More coke. Yep. Yep. And then I told... Well, the thing is, so what I told him was I did one line and then I got ashamed and I threw the bag away. Same thing I told Rob. Sorry, Rob. I did lie to you. But, you know, you 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 get it. <laughs> Which we... When you were back up in Kentucky, we talked a couple times, but, like... Yeah. Not a ton. Yeah. When we were talking about the last of this shit, mm-hmm. I was railed the fuck out of my mind. Is that why you were so good at writing it then? Yep. Yep. But, yeah, that was a response I got from my family. And then, you know... My mom was supposed to come, I was supposed to move back down here to help her out after my uncle, or not my uncle, but my stepdad had died. And this didn't start till after that. And that was going to be put in motion, and all of a sudden, two weeks before that's supposed to happen, she's like, oh, well, we don't need you here, like, you know, I mean, we'd love to have you here, but we got things figured out, and da-da-da. it turns out that, you know, the aunt that hates me down here, Tammy, yeah, fuck you, bitch, um... I mean, I respect your level of commitment to being a cunt. I d- really do. I really do. It's impressive. Like, you're you're strong as shit when it comes to that shit. But also, fuck off. Um, she was telling everybody that, that she got into mom, mom's head that that wasn't a good idea. And then that was why that got pulled out. Because she has this quarrel with my other aunt. And I basically told her she's being petty as fuck. And she's being a fucking child and grow the fuck up. Like, you're the pastor of a church. That's Grow the fuck up and stop being this stupid, manipulative bitch. We already went into this a couple weeks ago, but yeah, that sort of hypocrisy, big reason why I left the church. Exactly, and they follow right on suit with that. And anyway, that led to that whole thing, so I was left with nowhere to go and just stuck up there. And I mean, Daddy did a great job up there. I mean, it was just you and me hanging out. You didn't even know any of this was going on. I wasn't about to tell you or get into all that. I mean, he might have known. No, he didn't know because he literally asked me after I told him about the when 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 I told him about the 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 signing over the rights and everything, and and that whole story. We had that Christmas where like I, I basically gave one of my aunts that I picked their name out of the Secret Santa that we had to do this blind gift. Um, I didn't spend any money on that. I found like a couple books that was like this would be good to read. And then Dad's like, "You have a job. Where's your money going?" To drugs, Dad. That's that's <laughs> that's where my money was going. To drugs. <laughs> I was turning it into powder, and I liked the way it smelled. Yeah, but so what? What was it like when you first moved back down here from, like, with in with Bo? In twenty nineteen. Because we kind of just like stopped, Fuck, yeah, you right over that. that. Okay. All right, so that was that was good. But the thing is, whenever I I, I talked to Bo on the phone, which at first he was very hesitant. He's like, "Dude, I can't have any kind of like drug use or you know fuck around with that." Because he apparently used to have the same problem, but he quit. But he still like his dealers were living like six miles away from his house. Like, so there's a difference in addicts. Like, if I had known that, like, if I had quit, 
quote unquote quit. And my dealers were, I had to change states. Like, there's different levels of addicts. Like, he wasn't actually addicted. He just did it recreationally and then chose to take the towel on as an addict because he'd probably get more attention and sympathy, which I fucking hate those goddamn people. You don't actually know what the fuck those motherfuckers go through, like, the actual addicts go through. I could have sought it out here, but I chose not to. I had that much, at least knowing of myself, to not do that. But that... mm. Uh, but I, anyway, I, I moved down here, and I told him before, I was like, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to live with you, and I'm going to live with Cody. And this is what needs to happen. I live with Cody for a week, which was my other brother, and then I live with you with for a week. And I go back and forth, but I pay you guys $100 a week. Because I knew myself well enough to where it's like, that gives me motivation to get a job so I can keep this... You know, money going because I'm paying fucking what at that point eight hundred dollars, eight hundred a month, four hundred, four hundred, yeah, for a place to stay. But I'm having to pack up my shit, so I'm constantly staying mobile. Like I knew that, and he was like, "No, absolutely not. Love him to death." But he was like, "You know, when he finally pitched me the idea of me moving in with him, he was like, i 'I'm gonna make sure you don't have to pay for shit.'" Did I move the thing? No, you hit the cover. Oh, sorry. It went. Oh. <laughs> but he was like, I'm going to make sure you don't have to pay for shit. And uh, two days after I got down there, he gave me his credit card. So here you go. He believed in me that much, but he didn't understand that that was still. That was still appeasing the part of me that's that very manipulative, I will use the fuck out of you to get what I want. I knew that that was not the right way to go, but I went with it anyway. I tried to talk him out of it, but he wouldn't do it. And so, I mean, that was good. When I first moved down here, it was new, it was weird, I was bored. I did that fucking non-venomous versus venomous snakes video where everyone thinks I'm fucking... That blew up. That blew up. And everyone thinks I'm fucking high as shit, but I was actually a month and a half clean. For the and first then you time, did your like first IMS video, which is that's when I learned you moved down here. Yeah, and like I commented on that, saying, "Hey, do you want to like meet up sometime?" And then like, you creepy motherfucker, you stalk the fuck out of me. <laughs> I watched your next like you showed two the fuck videos. <laughs> You're like, "Hey, when are you gonna get at IMS?" And I'm like, "I'm already here." And he's like, "Oh, me too." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> I was very insecure at this point. <laughs> I needed friends that weren't in high school. So yeah, that's how that whole thing started. And then, um, I don't know, it it was good. I wasn't doing anything. I was just doing YouTube videos and... Because, like, I couldn't tell. Like, I really couldn't. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was blind as well, shit, Well, I wasn't high as fuck, no, yeah. but, like, apparently, like, I didn't even notice on, like, the non-venomous versus venomous video. Oh, yeah, dude, you can tell my, my face is sunk in. I'm, I'm just... Like, I could tell you'd been through some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, about yeah. it. That was actually me, just that whole sporadic kind of a thing, which that was the hard part of it, too, is when you get clean, you know, it's... You, like, at least me, like, when I get on something, I'm excited. I talk fast about it and everything else like that, but I was also doing the same thing when I was high, so it's, like... People can't, like, my family down here still fucking thinks that I'm on drugs. Like, 
what the fuck? Like, are you fucking kidding me? And this is a part of the family that hasn't even talked to me. Hey, you made the effort to reach out. But then you're going to have the right to judge me on this. Like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, goddamn. Like, I hate that fucking shit. And then you're pastors of a church. It's just a whole... It's fucking retarded. Makes no fucking sense. But no, I do remember that my mom did come to her senses and decide that I should move down here. This is when I was booking the trip for me and the and Cody and Connor for Arizona. Or New Mexico slash Arizona. That whole thing. <laughs> and, um... That was 2019? No. No, that was in 2019. I'm, I'm going back to when I... Oh, okay. When yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I, uh, this is back in like, what was it? 2021. And I was back up in Kentucky and I started dabbling back into the drugs and everything else like that. And I remember there was one day I had done it. I remember in that three months time, three, four month time that I was up there in Kentucky before I moved back down here from mom was like, oh yeah, you're right. And I'm like, no shit, dumbass. Um, and I moved back down here to Tennessee. In that four-month period, I'd done coke about 29 times. Damn. Yep. I and, still couldn't tell. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it got bad because I don't know if it was because of the break, the three-year break that I had with it. Um, But I remember I was on the phone. I got a gram one night, and I did all that. And it's 7 a.m. And then I hit up my dude. And he's fucking fucked up like no other. And I buy another gram off of him. It's 160 bucks in less than 24 hours. It's out the window. And then when I was starting to do that, I remember I was on the phone with Squatchy. <laughs> and this bottom part of my lip started to like go downward. Involuntarily. Oh, this is the stroke. Yep. Where I was actually convinced that I was having a stroke. Because it's definitely I kind of was. But, yeah, and he kept me calm on the phone. And I told him about everything that was kind of going on too. And that was hard too, to kind of be that transparent and that kind of vulnerable in that situation. But when, you're, when your lips like quivering downward, you kind of don't know what else to fucking do. And you're also, you're railed the fuck out of your goddamn mind. It was it was very scary, and then I realized, like, fuck, like, if I continue doing this, I'm going to die. But the weird thing was, whenever, like, I would have those moments, I had them a lot. Because even after that pass, I'd still go get more shit. And I knew that was going to happen, and it did. And I remember there were, there were, there were nights where... Of course, I was, I was, I drink like two six packs of Smirnoffs on top of it just to have something to drink because you get thirsty as fuck when you're on coke because it dehydrates you, which alcohol is not the best thing to do with that. You say with a thing of alcohol right next to you. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But it's a process. That's all I'll say. It's a fucking process. But. There would be times where I was 
I don't know if it was the coke or it was the alcohol, but I'd get so fucked up to where I would just throw up. But it was like... 70% blood. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I could say I've never had that experience. But then once you get that out of your system, your first thought is like, okay, cool, I feel good again. Okay, good, I need a... uh, I need a line. I need a blood transfusion. No, I need a line. That too. And then cycle would repeat. And so then I got down here and everything was quit. Cold turkey, nothing at all. I do remember I, I, I had I had at least a half a gram of Coke when I moved down here. The first day at mom's house, I did it. And this is the thing that, why I'm a firm believer of it, it it's, it's, it's very important, the environment that the addict is around. Because I did that half gram of Coke while I was in mom's house. Granted, I did it in my car because I respected her enough at the time. At the time. At the time. Now I just fucking do it in front of her face. I don't give a shit. But at the time, I just kind of did it in my car, finished it off. And this is a mind-blowing fucking thing. It didn't affect me. It had no effect on me whatsoever. It was like snorting baking powder. And I know it was actually Coke because it was from the gram that I got the day before. So I'd done half of it before I moved down here. So it was good shit. But I get down here in a completely different environment. And I did it and it didn't do anything. It was like, I was like, why the fuck did I even do this? No come down, no nothing. It was weird. It was very strange. But I tell you what, those nights of the come downs, those were dark. Those were dark. Mark dark or worse? No, it was like, in order to go to sleep, you know, because for a lot of my life, when you, whenever I needed to go to sleep when I was younger and everything, I like I think about like winning the lottery or something. They give me that big euphoric kind of feeling where you're just like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, you kind of live in that world. Give that dopamine. Exactly. And then you go to sleep. Well, in order for me to get that around that point in time was thinking of a world that existed without me in it. And it got as dark to the point where it was like, the more I would think out and plan out the length of rope to hand to hang myself, the centimeter, the dilation of the rope, is that gonna be good? What kind of knot I'm gonna tie it in? Or we're gonna go the gun route. What caliber? Hollow point? Now what do the you know, different thing. You work out those details. Each one of those details that I would work out thinking about Basically, commit my own suicide would release that bit of dopamine that would help me to be able to go to sleep that much more. That's where I was at. Yeah. I think we so. should take a break there for a second. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm down for a break, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, that's good. 
So yeah, we'll be back here in a minute and uh <laughs> <laughs> you can just start it off. All right, coming back from that cliff of sadness and depression, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> More saddening and depressing. <laughs> yeah, just not that one. Well, I mean that's the thing is like I I realized too because I, I, I held back from tell my story a lot because I knew it was a very kind of sad and depressing thing. And it's, it would it's, make an excellent TV show. Yeah, no, I definitely would. <laughs> it definitely would. Cough, but, cough. Um, no, it was because there was a lot of shame with that. With, you know, who wants to hear this because it's so sad and depressing type of stuff. Like, listen to well, a, a podcast. It's, I don't even know what the running time is, but it's, it's, you know. We're just over two hours and 20 minutes. There, you, there it is. Yep. And I'm going to beat you, Corey. <laughs> um, Literally. But no, so yeah, I, uh, you know, that, that, that stuff happened in Kentucky. And, and the thing is, I was talking to my good buddy, lives out in uh, Arizona, used to live out in Colorado. Um, Shout out, Smet Logic. Yeah, um, and I, I I talked to him because he was one of the first people. He was a subscriber, and you know I talked to him. I, I just knew I owed it kind of to my audience with YouTube because I had like this fucking twelve thousand, almost thirteen thousand numbered group of people that was following me. I, I felt like I owed it to somebody to tell them what the fuck was going on because my channel was so sporadic, and he helped me through all of it. And, um, and like even now he's helping us through writing. Oh yeah, and um, which I'm not gonna tell his story. That's 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 personal for yeah, me. That, We're not gonna go in. Yeah, no. Um, but you know, he was the first person I called and talked to, and he helped me out through a lot of that and stuff. And he gave me the bit of advice that really kind of helped me whenever I was in Kentucky in that second time around. Because my first thing that I said to him was like, "Fuck, dude, it's like." At that point in time, it was like, what, two, two years, two and a half, almost three. I was like, that's just down the drain. I was like, no, it's not. You know, I realized that even though when I was in Kentucky for those four months and I went back to those drugs, that's not wiping the state, the slate clean. It's, 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 it's just a, a speed bump. So I still consider myself an ex-drug addict, you know, not a recovering I don't. I hate that fucking term, because recovery means that you're still struggling with it. Um, I'm not, you know, when it comes to cocaine, so I don't recovered. No, not even that. X. It's not my identity. I'm not. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a drug dealer. At all, and that that really helped me a lot with that. And then. Um, but going back to when I first moved down here in 2019, that, that was a good environment and experience because we were focused on the YouTube videos. And, you know, my buddy Bo wanted to do the, uh, um, he wanted to do cooking videos and stuff, and I was helping him out with that. And we just kind of had this mission. We went out to fucking Vegas. I got to do this YouTube series <coughs> that was fucking... I mean, let's face it, the, the YouTube series in Vegas was fucking solid. Like, 
That was fucking gold. What you got was. Yeah, I mean, what I got was. But we also never herped out there, so. It was still, it, it was a good experience, but. <laughs> there were a lot of underlying factors. Um, where. You know, I had, I uh, had. Uh, they don't listen to it, fuck it. Um. And these two, well, I had this one chick that hit me up on Instagram and said, like, hey, we've seen your YouTube videos and we want to meet up with you and stuff. I was like, well, fuck yeah. Like, let's do it. Meet up with them. They ended up being great friends, uh, both her and her friend. Um, they're awesome people. Still love them to this day. But they were... Um, They were, they were drinking a lot. And so I kind of got into that. And used bow a lot. And still kind of... I don't know. I got to see a lot of people's true colors. And people got to see a lot of my true colors. Which, in my defense, I at least warned people about my true colors like they knew what i was capable of and that ended up being a fucking entanglement i guess that's the right word <laughs> that was uh just kind of a, a weird thing it it was it was good there was a lot of good friendships a lot of good memories made but it was not a good uh overall experience environment mm. overall environment cause I uh you quit one habit get another yeah substituted one for the other I mean one will kill you faster yeah and um I don't know that, that was it was hard because I, you know, I, I kind of, my codependency tendencies really kind of came to light, I guess you could say. Um, fuck. Okay. Yeah, we're going to, we're just going to, we're going to get into it. Fuck it. It's the real shit, right? Yep. Start fucking around with one of them. Um, but that was very toxic and not healthy and it was very codependent and it was it was not good and I resorted to alcohol to deal with that shit and that led to a lot of other things that just didn't end up working out well and then my buddy ended up Meeting up with this chick that he used to work with and uh, fucking got her pregnant. She was moving in, but she was also still actively in drug use. There was a moment where he was going through her purse because she was passed out from fucking being high as fuck. She was on the downers, snorting pills. Um, I never understood downers. I never understood. I'm like, why? If you're going to do drugs, do something that gives you energy, not one that puts you to sleep. Like, that didn't make sense to me. Like, at least weed makes everything funny. Yeah, but I'm just too... I'm too impatient for weed. 
I'm like, I've been sitting in this chair for 45 years. <laughs> I can't take 46. What do I need to do? My buddy's like, dude, you've been in there for literally 30 seconds. Fuck you. You don't know time. <laughs> Man. Yeah. And uh, pulled out of her purse a baggie full of white powder. Ooh. After he sent me a picture. That was because what she was doing was basically she was crushing up pills, putting them in water, taking syringes, taking the needle off of them, and getting them in the syringe, and then she'd shoot it up her nose. He sent me a picture of his trash can, and it was overflowing. It was overflowing with syringes that he had gotten out of her purse and her car. No. <laughs> CBS? Walgreens? I guess I diabetics could get easy access to them. <laughs> so I guess anybody could. Really. I guess so. I, I, I don't know. But she was doing that, and he was just like, dude. And the first time when I saw that bag of powder that he pulled out of her purse, my first thought was, oh, fuck, I wonder what that smells like. That reminds me of that one joke you always told me. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's so many. Man, I never even really liked the high from cocaine. I just really loved the smell of it. I did, yeah. <laughs> smelled fantastic. <laughs> like a field full of daisies in hell. <laughs> but, so that happened, and I was just, it was weird. I was torn because I was going to alcohol to deal with this shit, and I was being really dependent on, these, on this chick, and I was blowing her up and just being basically a needy fucking bitch. And that's when COVID was hitting, so it was weird. Who even worse? Yeah, and you know, I got the job at Walmart. I stuck with that job, but um, until late last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I got into the acting thing. I realized I didn't need to fucking do that. I needed to do the acting. No, that was early this year. Yeah, because you got into acting in March. Oh yeah, it was. I, I quit. I started doing DoorDash full time in May of this year. Yeah. This year, when we're well, I mean, obviously, this is going to be posted on the 9th, but you know, we're talking about 2022. Yeah. Um, this is our last recording session for the year. Yeah, it really is. But uh, also, I'm not cigarettes in my lighter. It was right here. <laughs> of course. Yep. I told you you'd find them. Yep. Um, He's had to take several smoke breaks in between this shit. It's hard to talk about. Like, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a walk in the park, but so. Did that. He ended up basically telling me that I needed to kind of find a new place to live, which I talked to my brother about living in his place. And, uh, you know, I was still drinking a shitload every day during that. I still had the job, which was good. Um, Which, yeah, even when you went back up to Kentucky, didn't you do a transfer up there? Yeah, I transferred up to that that job up in Kentucky at Walmart, and that was that was hell because it was, good God, they were just, it was rough. I worked a whole shift fucking high on coke one time. I had the best pick rate of any motherfucker there. (laughs) I'm just speeding down these aisles like, boom, you got it, you got it, got it, got it, got it. Speedy Freddy, the fastest the whole mouse time. in all of Winchester. But 
Anyway, so that led me to moving in with my brother, which I had to kind of coerce him into let me live there, and I did that for a little bit, and that was still, it was tough because that was around the time when I got stung by that bee and almost died. Mm. Yep. And found out I was allergic to bees. and uh, On the railroad tracks, right? Yep, at Iams. Fucking yellow jacket ass. Yeah, I remember that. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> she was the one who flipped the rock. Boom, to be fair, I'm pretty sure I did that exact same thing in that exact same spot, not yeah. like a week before that. It was ridiculous. But so anyway, that led to, and then my brother moved out, and then my landlord, who was still part of the family, um, she's like my cousin or something, my uncle's side cousin. I don't know how the fuck that shit works, but basically ended up giving me, she came up with all these bullshit excuses on like, well, she was going to have to move in there, and then her, like, mom was sick, so this caretaker might have to live in the house, too, and it ended up going from where I had, like, until May to move out, which I was like, that's plenty of enough time, to where I had, like, two weeks in, like, a month's span. So I had to go back up to Kentucky. So that was the first time that my family fucked me down here. And then, uh... <laughs> Quit it. <laughs> yeah, I see the spike. They heard it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Um, and then, and then, so yeah, I, uh, I, um, trying to figure out how to phrase this. So basically, after that, that's. That's when I moved back down with my mom and everything else like that. And I wasn't I wasn't drinking or doing anything, you know, for like four or five months. Um, I remember, like, wasn't it like the week after you got back, we went up to Foothills and looked for rattlesnakes again? Yep. Yeah, when I, got, when I moved down here. That was so refreshing. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was. <laughs> it was really, really good. And also during that time when I was moved down here in 2019, that's when, you know, Lucas had stalked me out and <laughs> that whole thing started. But we... Uh, yeah, rocky start for me, but I've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Like, it made me sound like some sort of serial killer there, but I was just like... I felt like you were. I saw you, and I'm just like, well, hey, there, there's this 45-year-old dude coming to see me. I'm like, how old are you? And you're like, 17. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's illegal. <laughs> we can't even be in the same room. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. Like, whenever you first came down here, I was like, oh, finally, somebody else who's really into reptiles. Maybe I could actually have somebody to go do this with. Yeah. Because no one at school was like that. Yeah, no. Like. And. And I didn't have the social skills to do it any other way. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> and then we found It's all this, documented on YouTube. Go to live stream and Then we found a the, spotted uh, salamander. What, what is it? The, this place is insane? Yeah. I don't have part one. I don't know where the fuck that is. It's just gone. I only have part two. <laughs> Part one's where we got the salamander. I know. Come I have on. no idea where that shit is. That was the best part. I don't. I don't understand what happened. Mm. Blame YouTube. Yeah. But yeah. So, end up, you know, doing that, and then of course you all know the story about you know that he comes to kill, and then my mom kind of kicked me out, and all that shit that went down, and then I I moved in with Brian, and uh, 
Jeez, that's been on. You just went through like two years and two seconds. Well, no, I mean, I moved down here, and then, you know, it's, it's, that wasn't, that was it two years? I was there for like a year and a half, right? I think so. Roughly? A little over a year? One and a half years. Yeah, because we started shooting the shape, we did all that shit. I mean, shit was still just bullshit there anyway, because it was, I moved in there trying to help them out and everything else like that, and I think it was like the week. We went down there to, to Arizona. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm on vacation. So it's like fucking 24-pack of McUltra every day. You and really then, love McUltra. I do. I do. It's slimming. Zero calories. You say pointing at your beer gut. I know. I know. I know. Come on, man. Get on at the ups so that we can... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? We can do a shirtless scene in the shape, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> We just rip it off like John Cena. <gasps> or Stone you Cold. can't see anything when John Cena's there, though. That's true. That'll be his scenes. <laughs> we should write in there. We just have a clip in the shape, too, where it's just nothing. It's like cameo by John Cena. <laughs> People have to go back through and watch it to figure it out. <laughs> just to fuck with them. It's just one of those little jokes in the credits, yeah. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, so, yeah, uh, did that. You know, there with them, that was just a lot of toxic bullshit, and, you know, my brother moved in, and that was just still, like, more toxic bullshit, and now I'm in an environment where it's, it's, it's healthy to a degree. It's (laughs) (laughs) comparatively? Very much so, yeah. But it's still weird, because it's like, you know... I don't know. It, it, it's 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 trying to convince yourself to appreciate the the blessing that you've been given, and not default to the flight instinct, because everything you've always known that was good never lasted. Oh, yeah, that actually came out right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the coke has stopped, which is good. But that that was a lot of that whole entire story that uh, you guys have been, we've been teasing about. And then now it's tackling the, uh, tackling the drinking aspect of it. Which is, it's really weird to know that, I don't know, it's weird to know sobriety and the experience of that. And knowing that it gives you more of a dopamine high than you've ever had with anything else you've ever done. And you know that it's not sustained by, I'm trying to figure out how to put this, outside sources. It's all internal, and it's not going to go anywhere. And still not wanting to trust it. Yeah. 
It's a weird place to be. It's like you know what you gotta do, but it's like, fuck. Raw, organic happiness. I don't know. <laughs> you know? You're like, eh. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it, it's a process. It's not... Uh, I'm trying not to have too much gaps in between when I talk, but it's it's needing to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. It's, uh... It's trying to figure out and and wade through the waters of trying to figure out why it's what's the root reason why you can't depend on y- yourself. You know, why do you need something else to do that? And that's the thing with 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 addicts is is you know the, the the people that are out there that you know just and I feel like I can speak on behalf of most of them um they're out there just raw dogging the fuck out of life with a smile on their face and a bitch coming out of their mouth every 2 seconds yeah i mean yeah they have their bad days but still it's just like they're they're doing it and you know, it's so fucking weird to know because I've done that. I've done that. I've done, you know, just just getting up in the morning. It's like I remember when I was at Bo's house. I I I woke up at like five thirty. I went out at like six a.m. times because I was gonna do a two part herping video on the different times of day and what's gonna be out. So I did that. I went out there at six a.m. Remember, I I just I killed a bottle of water, and it was like a line to the face, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do this day." Went out there, stayed out there till like ten or eleven. Got jack shit. Fil- no, filmed a bunch of shit. Huh. Bunch of shit coming out to sun early. Heat of the day hits. I go back home, eat some food, edit some of the video and everything. And then Bo gets up, and I'm just like, hey, man, let's go out to Ions. That was that first herping trip video that he did. Chugging a bottle of water. and No sodas, no nothing. Just fully experiencing life. In that, the, the life, yeah, yeah. And it's weird, because it, it's like, it goes back to when, it, you know, I, I was, like, railed out on Coke. There were so many times where I would... I didn't have any money to get Coke or whatever. It was the next day. Like I told you, I'd call into work to make sure I didn't, wasn't able to do that or whatever. But I would eat food and feel better. That didn't make sense. That did not make sense to me. Like, and it was literally just a piece of bread. That was mainly my diet. A piece of bread or maybe two or three if I was really hungry. I mean, because when you're red out on Coke, you can't swallow really much of anything. So the thought of eating is just, if you eat anything, you're going to throw it back up anyway. Mm. That's just not a good place to be. But eating food made me feel good, and that was a mind-blowing thing to me. That's like, 
you know, the first time Edison created light, like the light bulb, it was just like, like holy fuck, dude. You serious? You mean if I eat food, I get to feel better? This garlic parmesan wing tastes like yeah. magic. But you know that. You know that. It's a proven thing. But it just changes the like the way you think so much. To where you can't trust that certainty. This basic built-in instinct, it makes your body go against it. It's weird. It's fucking weird. But I mean, it's... Like I said, it's a process. And... One I'm I'm still working through. I'm granted I'm not fucking railed the fuck out. Which is good. (laughs) I feel like we can all agree on that one. But yeah, just everything else is trying to figure out life and then you get shoved in this actually healthy environment where it's I don't know, it's it's a it's a such a shell shock to where it just it triggers all those other things to where it's like I don't know, it's like you're handed a winning lottery ticket and the thought of keeping it scares the fuck out of you. But the thought of ripping it up and flushing it down the toilet makes you feel better. That was dark, but it's true. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing. I'm still trying to figure it out. But yeah, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Because, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much leading up to where I am now. So, it's... it's so, I'll- like, from everything you've said today like you've had a lot of people just coming and going throughout all of this experience just yeah but very little since you moved stability. to Knoxville like I've I've been one of the main constants here oh yeah so like <clears throat> what makes me different from the pack when it comes to like this sort of thing with you though you won't go away <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have the money to move I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> no, that's good. That's <laughs> that's fair. No, I don't know. It, it was because like, I don't. When, I don't know. When we met, like I, I didn't know you were super into whole filmmaking thing. I just knew you were into herps, and like whenever I didn't even know I was into the whole filmmaking thing though. But like whenever we, we both kind of found out like that together when we did the first shape. Just like wow, we I really like doing this thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I I don't honestly I I don't know because I mean you did have that that season where it was just like I remember I was on the way to your house. No, I was on the way to work because I was working at Zoo Knoxville. Fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> As a photographer? Yeah, which they canceled that job, and then I get to drive the Zuchu train. <laughs> Why, well, I never want to have kids again. Nope. <laughs> Go faster. Shut the fuck up, Timmy, and eat your fucking ice cream cone, you bitch. But I don't like pistachio. <laughs> then why did you order it? I want to play sports. <laughs> you won't get that right now, but it'll be really funny in a couple years. <laughs> But no, so I remember, 
Because I was on the way there, and they, and they canceled everything because of rain. And, because uh, you can't do photography in the rain. Was this when we did the Mufasa video? No. This was uh, after that. This was after that, because you had texted me. And basically, it said, like, you can't fuck with me anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was in May of 2019, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, because this was before... Yeah. Yeah. Because that was when Noah was stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, Noah was stupid. Which, we won't go any more into that, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, but I mean... But I came back. Yeah. Because again, like I said, you wouldn't go away. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just like, I mean... That was a hard hit for me just because it was, I even remember remember whenever I went to to Bo and I was like, damn, dude, like, this past is just going to haunt me wherever I go. Like, I can't get away from it. Because that was a big reason why. And then I was just like, you know what, fuck it, like, I can't change it, so I just kept doing my fucking thing. And then now everyone loves me. <laughs> so <laughs> it ended up working out, but but yeah, I mean I don't know. You're you're again, yeah, I, I joke with the fact that, you know, you wouldn't go the fuck away, but it's very true. So it was like I had nowhere to go. <laughs> everyone else did. I mean, hell, at the end of the day, Bo even did. Your family did. <laughs> yeah, my, well, my family always had somewhere else to go. Down here, my family down here. Jesus. Your mom did. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of like how, how it all went, and that's kind of where it's leading up to where I am now, and why we're doing what we're doing, but also why, I mean... I'm like, now we're finally surrounding ourselves with people who can actually help us get somewhere with this. Yeah. Like, I know we always give them shout-outs, but August and John, like, they gave us a huge opportunity with He Comes to Kill. No, absolutely. Like, because before that, we were just the guys who did the shape that hadn't come out yet. Yep. Like, it was done for but months, but we didn't. being true to how I am and defending my people, <laughs> and establishing the fact that if I'm not going to fuck with anyone anymore, I make it known that I don't. You can ask all the questions you want to, but I will just say this. I have brought up this name before, but I will never bring it up again. Because a lot of just woe is me... Da da da, and it has to do with that dude, David Brandon. Bitch, get off your ass, do the fucking work your goddamn self like we all fucking did. No one's gonna fucking hand it to you. I've given you enough credit. I'm not doing that anymore. You want any more credit? Do it your goddamn self. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. Because I fucking hate coattail riders. Because we busted our ass to get to where the fuck we are now. You've already heard my story on how I got to here. So. 
And just let that be known to anyone listening. If you want to fuck with us, don't be a baby back bitch. <laughs> Please don't, because it's a waste of fucking time. For everyone involved. It's annoying. It's tedious. And it's just stupid. Put in the work. Do the effort. Get your shit together. Prove yourself. I mean, still, I mean, shit, we don't even know what the fuck we're doing exactly, but apparently a lot of people think that we do. Somehow. Somehow. But yeah, we're doing shit. But yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because I've been dealing with some bullshit regarding that, and I'm not going to do that anymore, so. I'm going to be known as a motherfucker that you don't fuck with. Don't. That's fair. I have no reason to. You know? All the other stuff is just stupid bullshit. We're here to make movies and make a difference in the world. And we love that craft. And it's just... That's what we're doing, man. That's what we're doing. But... We had to come a long way to get there. And you all have heard the story. (laughs) I had to come a long fucking way to get here. So... I don't care who the fuck it is. If I get any of this woe is me bullshit... I mean, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm just, I'm not built that way. I can't do it. And there's no way in hell I could ever top that story. <laughs> I went to college, got fat. I have some connections. You can let me open. <laughs> <laughs> went to college, got fat, got out of college, got skinny. Now we make movies. <laughs> Catch snake on the side. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah, no, I mean, I know it's a heavy story. I know it's a long listen. If you've been listening this far, I do appreciate it. But Which we are easily at the longest podcast yet. Ha! <laughs> Fuck you, Corey. <laughs> Told you I was going to beat your ass. <laughs> no, I knew it was going to be a long one. It's, it's a lot of stuff to talk about. It's not easy to talk about. It's first time I actually went into a lot of the shit, which I didn't even... Which I didn't know. I still didn't even talk about the fucking Mexican midget, but... <laughs> Well, you can't just brush up on that and not say what it is. All right, so I was out with one of my dudes, and we were meeting up at this place. He was getting some shit for us, not to sell or anything, just because we were just like, we looked at each other, and it's just like, what, what do you want to do? And then we had this realization, like, fuck, we actually can't hang out with each other unless we have cocaine, right? And I was like, it sounds about right, because without cocaine, you're kind of boring. I don't fucking like you at all. And so he's like, okay, cool, well, I got a dude. Went out to this place in the fucking hood of Lexington, Kentucky, which is very diverse. Very diverse. He pulls up, and he's like, all right, just stay in here. And I was like, okay, all right, fine. I'll just stay in here, trust you, do that. I stepped out of my car to smoke a cigarette. Um, and then as I'm smoking a cigarette, I hear these little footsteps behind me. And I turn around, and it's literally a midget. I know that's not socially acceptable, but fuck that. It, he was fucking four, three, eight. I, I don't know. He was tiny as fuck. And you're not a tall man. No, I'm not. But he was. He. I, I was a giant compared to him. Holding a knife at me, which was just like a regular pocket knife, but you know, in his hands looked like the fucking a, this is a, a sword. Yeah, <laughs> like a sword. And so, I turn around, like, whoa, bro. He's like, hey, what are you doing here, S.A.? And I'm like, I'm just, my dude told me, he's like, what's your dude's name, man? I'm like, 
I told him, he was like, I don't know him. And I'm like, well, that's not my fault. <laughs> you should get more friends. Yeah, and he was like, well, you come around here again and say, I'll cut you. And I'm like, I don't doubt that you will, but what? You're going to hit my kneecap. Like, I'm not threatened. Like, you have to get a running jump start to hit my heart or anything like that, you know? <laughs> And I was like, all right, man, like, that's cool and everything. He's like, so where's your friend at? And I was like, I told you, he's in the other room. Like, he's in the building over there. He's like, which number? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, seems like you got a lot of questions. I was like, are you fucking kidding? You got the one, you're the one with the questions, essay. <laughs> he's like, all right, well, just let me know that my people are around here and you come around here again, then we will fuck you up. And I'm like, all right, cool. I won't come back to fucking Oz again. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I wish we had the video for that one. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, went in the, and I went in my car, and I closed my door, and I locked it. And he just came, stood there, and he was just, like, eyeballing me. Granted, he was, like, you know, from the bottom of my windowsill, so I basically just saw his forehead. <laughs> but I'm assuming he's just looking at me. <laughs> And then he just waddles off. The funny thing is, I told Corey about that story, and he was like, dude, that would make a great short film. And I'm like, God it damn it. It would. He was like, no pun intended. I was like, but it needs to be. <laughs> that would be a fantastic short. Yeah, but he was very aggressive and angry. I didn't understand why. And then when my buddy got into the, the car. Would we just have John on his knees for that one, too? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And then when he got into the car, he was like, hey, so everything goes good? I was like, no, dude. I stepped outside and I got held up by a Mexican midget. He's like, oh, that's Jose. He does that all the time. <laughs> Are you? So you this knew? Is, this is a known thing? He was like, yeah, dude. He lives over there in 3B. He just he does that shit because I don't know why, but he always does it every single time. That knife is actually not even real. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me right so now? So this dude is just funny. He's just fucking around. But I'm like, I'm I'm coked out of my mind. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I got to think quick. Like, what can I do? I don't want to get shanked. Like, well, I don't know. I can knee him in the fucking temple. <laughs> That's about it. I've actually been kneading the temple before uh, we were jumping on a trampoline when I was like 10. And the dude just landed on my face. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much my story to an extent. So... There's really nothing else I can really elaborate on with all of that. So I guess we do have to pick a movie out of a hat now. <laughs> Which it's your pick. God, it's such a long... Ooh. Oh, this has been one hell of a podcast. It definitely has. August, you're welcome. I know you were looking forward to this. <laughs> and hold on, you have to ruffle oh, it. Wait, in the... ruffle. We have movies in a hat. I have a fucking thing right here. Yeah, well, I want to do it. I have to pick it out. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Do it, bitch. I'm going to do it. You're looking. I'm not going to look. Is it yours or mine? It's yours. <laughs> okay, so random Netflix movie it is. Damn, I really locked this shit up pretty tight. That's... Yep. Oh, yes, but I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. End of Watch. 
End of Watch. That sounds very familiar. Jake Gyllenhaal and the other dude, though. Oh, is that the cop movie? The cop movie? movie, yes. Okay. Have you seen it? No. <gasps> oh my god, you need I to. I remember you telling me about it after you saw The Guilty. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure that's in here, too. End of Watch is fucking fantastic. I've seen it, but I will watch... I've seen it at least six times. But I will watch it a seventh. Also, I don't think we ever got your number score for Gerald's game. Fuck, we didn't. <laughs> Jesus. Two hours later. <sighs> almost three. Nine one. So that's the second best. What did I give Tick Tick Boom? Nine three. Uh, okay, yeah. I gave Tick Tick Boom a nine three too. Yeah. I'm gonna go Wait, you gave it a nine five. I gave it a nine. Oh three. okay. Nine one. Nine one on Gerald's game. So yeah. Which if you're listening this far in, like I, congratulations or i'm sorry for the fact that you have nothing else better to do august is probably loving this he's just driving around like dude goddamn like, i'm so depressed oh and we just hit three hours yeah we did oh my god <laughs> now to watch the uh cash for gold episode of south park that's making fun of our old job <laughs> fuck you jtv yep but yeah end of watch dude i'm excited for that one me too so, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I reckon we will let you get to it. Watch Love Corey on YouTube, the uh, Lucas and Jordan technical director's cut. Yeah, it is. I mean, Brian, he, he put he, he produced it, basically. But when it came down to directing, no. No. We um, we just cut out a bunch of unnecessary That's going to be footage. a huge shit show when he realizes that we uploaded that on our channel. You do realize this, you right? You think he's going to look at it? He's going to know at some point in time. <laughs> Is he, though? It's Brian. I don't know. You know he doesn't care about our shit, bro. <laughs> that's true. Unless it directly affects him, we're fine. Yeah, that's fair. But anyway, yeah. Just uh, watch it blow up, get like a million views. God bless. Wow, this Love Corey's great. Could have been seven minutes, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh God! But yeah. Anyway, guys, I reckon we will see you all next week, where we will be back with a actual video recording of the podcast on the YouTube channel. But um, yeah, and it's also going to be available on Spotify. Also, check out Strange Films, and it would be nice. August. Um, side note. Um, when the fuck am I going to be on? It would be nice. That'd be nice to know. It would be nice to know when I'm going to be on your fucking podcast. It would be nice if you shit your pants. It would be. When's that going to happen? So, how soon? You know, maybe we should have John on as the next guest so we can actually build up to this crossover. We should. Do you have John's contact information? I have his Facebook. Okay, we'll blow him up. And August, if you're listening to this, tell John that... He's next. He's next. Get and then no we'll context. do the crossover episode because... We can't introduce John into the crossover episode because he will be lost in the sauce because it's... I mean, let's face it, the crossover episode is basically going to be me and you having another podcast again. And then me and John just talking about like Red Dead Redemption on the side. It's going to be two separate conversations during the whole entire podcast. Well, that's also probably going to be around a similar length just with... Because I have a game... It will probably be longer. I have a game that we're going to play for this one. Good. I have time to piss, take a shit, and smoke a cigarette. Exactly. Good. Because I don't know games. And there will be a clear loser... Who will have to do something they will not want to do. 
you do realize that you have to tell me what this is. Oh, I will. Okay, thank God, because I was like, I can't live with this kind of stress. I'll go back to Coke. <laughs> That's the lost. <laughs> what? That's the, the, the punishment. <laughs> what, me going back to cocaine? No, just a loser. Oh. I have to do a gram of coke. Oh Jesus Christ! That did, uh, I'm still to the point. I'm I'm out of it, but still, I'm like, is it losing or winning? You know? Yes. What does it smell like? Does it smell like winning or losing? <laughs> it smells like a microphone. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Well, check us out on the SYP Studios Instagram and, and also the-, the YouTube channel, SYP Studios, and. Um, the that's it and whatever you're listening to right now on. also if you haven't seen the shape go ahead and watch that shit because i'm pretty sure by the time this podcast hits that thing is we're closing out the year at five thousand views that'd be freaking awesome we're 200 views away from being at 5k watch the video it's insane because why not it's, yeah it's a horror movie thank you guys for letting us waste your time and if you learn anything or Liked what you heard, uh, just be sure to follow the, the podcast and the YouTube channel. And if you're, well, you're not watching this on YouTube, so you can't ask questions. But save your questions for the next one. Yep. That's, that's, oh, God, that hurt. <laughs> I burped, and it hurt.